Hey, welcome to the 272nd episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently, we're back to John Burns, Fantastic Four, 1984, early 80s. Uh, She-Hulk's on a team, and we're uh, we're about to get into like some of Reed Richards' past, which I, I'm I'm looking forward to diving back and going over these again because it's it's been a while. So a lot of cool stuff. And sometimes I talk about movies and other stuff. So it just depends. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. And that is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. First thing, I want to apologize for last week in case you... I hope you you heard last week's episode. Because it was like the best episode ever, in case you didn't hear it. No, I'm kidding. It was it was uh, as awesome as always. Uh, but something happened. I don't know. This I'm, I'm really kind of bummed. I So I set the podcast to go live 9 p.m. East, uh, 9 p.m. Pacific time, California time, West Coast time. So it's basically available midnight, East Coast time. And my, my thinking is, so that way you can download it, have it ready to go in case you have to go off to work or whatever Monday and, you know, you, whatever, all that stuff. I, so I set it to go live. You know, it's usually Sunday. I'm, I'm, I'm setting it up to, to go up. And then there's, I, I use Podbean is, is my, my ho- podcast hosting client, whatever. And they were undergoing some site maintenance uh, between it was like supposed to be like six and like three or six and uh, some some amount of time, and I was like, oh crap, because my podcast is going to go up, supposed to go up in that time. Is that going to make a difference? And maybe what I should have done was have it go up like before then. I it was it was almost like six o'clock by the time I, I was setting it because I just I usually do or like around five o'clock whatever Sunday evenings, and then so nine o'clock kicks around podcast isn't live i'm like oh crap but it's like it's uploaded on there i was able to through the back end get like the embed code because i i post the i embed it on an article on entertainmentfish.com and i was able to play it through there so i was like okay it's on the system and everything and i was like well this is a bummer because the podcast isn't going to go live until 3 a.m and actually it was it was like around 11 o'clock it it showed up it was it was there so i was like oh maybe they did whatever this part faster earlier than i thought so i was like okay cool everything should be ready to go i guess not because i i because I, I looked at like the the download numbers i don't look at I, I try not to look at as much and get like all hung up on it or whatever and they were like lower than usual so i'm like hmm that's that's a bummer and then it was actually thursday i was uh, about you know Wakanda Forever is about to start, and I get a message saying, "Hey, did you skip the podcast this week because it's it's not showing up on on Apple Podcasts or whatever?" So I'm like, "Oh man!" But then, like later, they said like, "Oh, it just showed up now," and I'm like, "That is so weird." I I came home from the movie and everything. I looked and and when I looked on on Apple Podcasts, it wasn't there, and then I also looked on like Google 
podcast or whatever, it wasn't there. I was like, what is going on? And and then Friday morning, I looked and it was showing up on Google. It is on like Amazon. Um, I didn't check Spotify because I I'm I haven't used Spotify for, for the longest time because I, I can't send Joe Rogan and I just don't don't even I yeah don't want to use it. So hopefully you listen to it. And I apologize if it, it didn't because then uh, another uh, buddy said that he got the notification Friday. So it's like why did it take so long? My my commitment to this podcast is to have a, an episode every week. You know, this I have gone 200 this is a 272nd week in a row that I've had a podcast and I you know I try to make sure every single week whether you know Thanksgiving, Christmas, 4th of July, Hanukkah, whatever I I want to have a, an episode up and you know hopefully I can deliver the same quality length and all, all that stuff. So, I'm sorry, there is an episode. So, if you're listening to this, you're like, "Hey, I never listened to it last week." And especially if you're listening for like the weekly updates on the shows, you should probably pause this episode and check it it should be there. If if you have it automatically downloaded, it probably should have showed up or whatever. So, it is there. On with the news. Um some really really uh, this this was such a, a bummer week. Yeah. Uh Kevin Conroy Friday got word that he passed uh 66 and you know if 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 you're a comics fan if you're a batman fan you know kevin conroy is the voice of batman from batman animated series uh masculine phantasm batman beyond and just like so many of the other like dc original movies he's, he's done you know so many different productions he was also in in uh crisis on infinite earths you know he did live action batman and it's it's a bummer, and you know I I, I looked up on my YouTube page. So like the last time I interviewed him was three years ago, uh, 2019, when they did Justice League versus Fatal Five, and he's, he's just I I think I, I may have I've, I've interviewed him like maybe like I'm thinking like two or three times. I know at, at least two, and he's always been the nicest guy. No, I, I know I talked to him about Batman Beyond. Oh, maybe I might have talked to him after that. Anyways. Uh, so he's always been like the nicest guy and it's just, it's, it's sad. And this, this is, I was, I was talking to my buddy about as we get older, it's like the people we grow up, you know, they're getting older too. So, you know, it does feel like more people that we've looked up to or enjoyed or just, you know, appreciated that they're passing. And that's what sucks about life. And I look at it, it's like, I feel like I'm getting older when I try to get up my, my body's aching or whatever. And. Oh man! And earlier this week, Carlos Pacheco he passed. He was only sixty, and you know he's. If you just think about like his stuff on X Men and Avengers, oh my goodness! And oh man, so I just you know all I can hope is that these you know these people they had great lives. They it wasn't like horrible at the end. You know it was like you know they were surrounded by loved ones, family, and hope the families are doing well. And it's just. <laughs> It's a bummer. This is starting off the podcast on a downer. Oh, I didn't mention what else is going on here. So speaking of downer, uh, the, the main feature is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And uh, so I'll talk about that. It got a little emotional, some stuff. And and I think part of me, like, leading up to it, I'm just, oh, like, two reasons. One, I'm not a big Namor fan of Submariner. So I'm like, oh, we got Submariner. Okay, whatever. Uh, and then the other thing, I think I was kind of, 
not really looking forward to it because it's like you know it's Black Panther without Black Panther, and and or I mean not so much not Black Panther but Black Panther you know the movie without Chadwick Boseman. I still feel like and I, I will still stick to this. I still feel like they should recast. You know, you should have T'Challa live on. We'll talk more about the movie later. <laughs> so. Uh, we have that. And then um, I'm also going to talk about Weird, the Al Yankovic story. So I, I saw that last weekend. Uh, that was on the Roku channel. I had to download the Roku channel on my Samsung TV. Uh, it, it was good. I, 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 yeah, I get some positive things to say about that. And then we got Titans, uh, Star Wars Andor, Stargirl, Chucky, Peripheral, Comics, and News. Uh, I think I may have mentioned this last week. I can't keep track. This was like borderline when I... I I think I mentioned Westworld's getting canceled. Pretty sure I talked about that last week, and and I, I, I'm still kind of like shocked and surprised by that. And it's, but then again, you know, a lot of people. Are, I, I've I looked would look at some of the comments sometimes in different places, and people are like, "Oh yeah, after the first season or after second season." So I guess you know things did kind of go down. But I always and I, every time I covered it, I always said that. You know, the show was like so ambitious, you know, where like every season was like a completely different show, it was a different setting, different. And it's just like the time jump and just, I just, they just did so much. And I was just like, man, you got to slow down. But uh, it's just, it's a bummer. And I, I believe, I'm pretty sure I said last week, like where it ended, it's kind of like you sort of have an ending there, but there's still so much like what the heck is going to happen next. So hopefully they'll be able to, you know, wrap things up. At somehow or whatever and you know we'll at least get like a movie or I, I don't know uh disney and lucasfilm talking about doing a indiana jones series no no idea what that means uh there's like no information on that because you know they're, they're saying indiana jones is gonna be harrison ford's final you know appearances as indiana jones i i'm, I'm a little hesitant like we had the young indiana jones chronicle and i remember liking it i think it was it was good I, I you know it's been so incredibly long and I, I haven't watched it since i think i like recorded them on like vhs but obviously i don't have easy access to a video rec- or a player I, I have one somewhere but the only thing they can do is do like younger you know young indiana jones adventure you know maybe not quite as young but hopefully It'll be worth it. Like, hopefully it'll be good because it's like, is, is it necessary? But I guess we'll have to see. Ryan Reynolds talked, he did an interview with like Collider and he's talking about Dragon's Lair. I almost forgot that, that he signed up for that because it's been what, a few years. So there, Netflix wants to do like a Dragon's Lair movie. And I, like many of you, I mean, I love Dragon's Lair. It's, it's such a amazing video game. It was just so weird. Just like the graphics and the gameplay, the way it worked. And all, all that. Uh, so no idea what he, he it's weird because he what he's talking about is you know because he's not really sure like where it's at like what 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 you know in, in terms of production and stuff like that. But he was mentioning how they're going about it like through some like innovative means. It's like you know something like stuff that hasn't really been seen before. So I don't really know what he could be possibly just you know talking about. And I don't know if it has anything to do with how the original you know, with the animation style and, and, you know, wasn't it like Don Bluth involved? I, I could be totally wrong. I don't know why I have that. And, uh, I just, I'm really curious now, like what 
could that mean? Uh, you know, is it going to be some sort of? It, it can't be. I mean, unless he, it, it could be like that cell shading thing that they did with um. Uh, now I forgot the movie, the Keanu Reeves movie, the the Philip K. Dick, um, Robert Downey Jr. was in it. Woody Harrelson, Winona Ryder. It, it's probably. I mean, I'm sure Ryan Reynolds would know about that, but it then it, it didn't seem like people liked that, so I don't know if they would do that. Rotoscope is, is I think, what that that was called, but that's not what the movie's called. <laughs> um, I really like the the movie, but I, I'm just totally blanking. I don't want to look it up, so we'll have to see. I mean, I'm I'm I would love to see it. I love Ryan Reynolds, even though some people don't, uh, like one or two people don't, and uh, I I love Dragon's Lair, so I, I would love to see what Netflix could do with that. James Gunn and Peter Safran, you know, they're not really giving out any information, but, you know, supposedly they have like this 10 year plan or try like mapping things out at DC, not that they're in charge of DC films. So just to, you know, get things going. And it'll be interesting to see what, how this all comes together and, and you know, what we're going to do. I thought I saw something, and I don't know if it was a reliable source or not. It might have been one of those like garbage sites. Or, and if it wasn't, and I apologize, but I saw something that supposedly, uh, what's his name? Dwayne Johnson. I, I don't know why I had Kevin. I'm thinking of Kevin Feige. I was like, his name's not Kevin. Uh, Dwayne Johnson apparently doesn't like Shazam. So it's like, what could that mean about, you know, Black Adam's future or, or like a you know, crossover? So it, and this was like one of those headlines you know clickbait headlines where it's trying to like oh he hates it so what does this mean and and would that makes me like absolutely not want to click so could it be that i mean i don't know how much like power or, or pull or sway he has where he's like i hate shazam i don't like the character so i don't want to do a movie with him but it's like dude you signed up to play black adam and you know i'm sure he signed some sort of like sequel clause so I don't, I, you know, I don't know how the sequel clause with stuff works. Like with the Marvel movies, you know, could it, could it be like where, well, okay, you have to do these movies is, or is it like you have to do a certain number of movies at some point? I don't think it works quite that way. Like, let's say, you know, Robert Downey Jr. didn't want to do Captain America Civil War, but it was like such an, an integral part of the story. So I, I don't know how it would, and, you know, maybe Dwayne Johnson, cause you know, he does have more star power and everything. But maybe he's like, well, I don't want to fight Shazam. But it's like, well, boo-hoo. I mean, that's who you're supposed to be fighting. You're not necessarily supposed to be fighting Superman as much as you want to. I mean, there should be... It makes perfect sense. I mean, he should be meeting up with Shazam because... We'll see. I I don't know. Um, Some other stuff at, at Warner Brothers HBO... So Sarah Avery, she's head of HBO, the Max Originals. She confirmed what Colin Farrell said about the Penguin taking place between the Batman and the next movie coming out, because it's it's supposed to pick up like right after the first movie. So we're, we're gonna like bridge the gap. Did I save that bridge the gap between the and just like see what what happens in between there? So that that's cool. And uh, as I mentioned last week, Kristen Milioti playing Sophia uh, Falcone, right? I, I'm looking forward to that because I, I, I think um, Kristen Milioti is, is great. So I look forward to seeing her in anything else. Also at HBO, so the It prequel, because I, I think this was like one of those, like, is it going to actually happen? Is it going to get canceled like everything else? It's not canceled. They, they've they hired uh, some showrunners. So it looks like things are, are going to be happening at some point. I don't know how I feel about that. It's like, do we need an It prequel 
where you know the last it movie kind of talked about some of like the origin of pennywise and coming to you know uh, america or whatever i i don't know we'll, we'll, we'll see uh sean levy so sean levy is going to be doing deadpool 3 hopefully soon he's apparently in talks to do his own star wars movie i don't really know what that means like you know is, is it gonna be funny i mean like he doesn't just do funny things you know i guess i should say that because while he did free guy you know free guy had a lot of you know spectacles you know big big action and stuff like that he also did adam project where Again, yes, it was funny, but it's just because you know Ryan Reynolds is in there, so of course you know you want to make it funny. But it'll be interesting to see what he might have do with the Star Wars because like the Adam Project had some you know sp- sort of space elements, you know the ships and and, and that. So we'll, we'll have to see if it happens because it's still in talks. It would have to be after uh, Deadpool three, and I guess I guess Sean Levy's involved with Stranger Things season five. Am I totally blanking on that? That I didn't know that, or I'm forgetting about that? I don't know. Speaking of uh, Star Wars or Lucasfilm, not necessarily Star Wars. Let's clarify that. Studio Ghibli teased some sort of collaboration with Lucasfilm. It was just like a, a, I saw on Twitter, just like a little clip, just says Studio Ghibli logo, and then it, like Lucasfilm or, or something like that. Not no other information. No idea what this could possibly mean. But holy crap. Um, that that would be amazing. So we'll have to, have to wait on that. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya. I don't know if that's how you say his last name. He is, it's been announced. It's official. I think it's official. He is doing the voice of Spider-Punk, of Hobie, Hobie Brown, and Spider-Man Across the Multiverse. So it was accident, or not accident, it was kind of leaked that Spider-Punk was going to be in it because there was like Spider-Punk toys at target uh you know you're if you go to target you're seeing these like uh cross the multiverse toys even though the movie's not coming out for a while because it was supposed to be out and i guess all the stuff's ready to go and they're like well we're just still gonna sell it even though there's no movie for it okay which is just so bizarre but i i get it you know the stuff's probably been shipped it's been made so you know rather than have it sit at some central warehouse or whatever they're just like just ship it out. I mean, sure, people will buy it. You know, kids will hopefully want to buy it, even though there's nothing to help sell it. But it'll be fine, I'm sure. And uh, I think the last bit of news. I'm sure there's something else. James Cameron. So his how long is it? Is Avatar gonna be uh, like three hours? Like over three hours? I, I, I talk about. I think I talked about that last week. Or I'm not going to go into it. Where he's like, "Well, people binge shows," and it's like, "Yeah, but they can also pause and go to the bathroom." So he is. Oh, and I, I will say before I get into this part, when I I saw Black Panther, so I I watched it in 3D, and there was a trailer for Avatar. It was a new trailer. I'm so tired of the the last trailer because I, I feel like I've seen it like almost every week. But there's the, the new trailer. And, you know, seeing that the regular trailer, maybe it's because I'm seeing it every week or just, I'm just like, what? Okay, what? I, this doesn't seem that like that that exciting, that big of a deal. With the new trailer, seeing it in 3D, I was like, ooh, this this looks look kind of cool. I, I, I like the 3D, and I know a lot of people don't. You know, maybe it's the brain capacity can't handle it. I, I don't know. I always say, think it's like a right brain, left brain, where maybe 
maybe I mean, and not the the joke saying it is a brain capacity thing, but maybe it's just I, the way you. I don't know. I really don't understand why some people don't like it. I think it's it's amazing. I never had a headache from watching anything in 3D. You know, some people are like they can't stand it, but teach their own, I guess. Oh, so anyways, what James Cameron said. He said that the third Avatar, that might be the last one. You know, because I think, didn't he want to do like six of them or five of them? Maybe five. I think he wanted to do five. But now he's basically saying it depends on how how they do at the box office. And he's like, you know, if people don't want it, then obviously, you know, they're not going to make it. They can't make it. But I also feel like it's this thing where, you know, a lot of people are complaining. You know, like Quentin Tarantino last week was complaining about, you know so many superhero movies and they're all the same it's like yeah yeah black panther is just like uh, multiverse of madness and it's just like uh i don't even can't even think whatever you get what i'm saying but if people want that you can't can't fault them for that you know hollywood or whatever disney marvel DC, you know, they're making what people want and that's that's what people want to see. And also you can't just dismiss them as being like so insignificant, whatever, because you know, so many people are working their butts off to make them, you know, the visual spectacles that they are. And I just I feel like it's it's so insulting that what it's not cerebral, it doesn't, you know, make you have to analyze every little aspect to figure out, you know, what's happening or, you know, or it's not like you know dry toast where it's all elegant and artsy fartsy and so whatever it's it's you you can't help it if if people don't like what you're making they they, you they don't like it you know you you can't it doesn't make sense to criticize other stuff like if i'm saying oh no one's listening to podcasts because they want to listen to some you know 20 something on twitch or something like that that's if that's what they want. I mean, I can't argue that. I'm not going to be angry at some other demographic or something like that because that's what the people want. I mean, it's it's not their fault. If they're capitalizing on that, more power to them. I can't capitalize on that because I'm not in that demographic or what you know whatever the thing is, whatever people want. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I am kind of. I, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I think part of the problem, I wider. I don't know if there's any buzz or excitement at this point. It's been so friggin' long since we've had the first Avatar, and I like I don't even remember how it absolutely ended. When I look at this Avatar, I was like, what does this have to do with? Um, I don't even remember what was what was the who was in Avatar. Sam Worthington is that? Am I totally wrong? Uh, was Sigourney Weaver in there? I mean, I barely even remember that. I don't know, but like, how did I just remember like humans going into these pods and then they're inhabiting these like blue skin? Are they called? They're not avatarians. <laughs> it's so. I, I, is this embarrassing that I don't know this? Should I be embarrassed that I don't remember all this? But it's just, I just thought the movie. I thought it was cool in 3D. I watched it in not 3D, and I was like, oh, this is just okay. You know, the 3D really made it cool. I thought so. Uh, I don't know, but it's like, how does this movie relate to that? Does it have anything to do with it or not? Because I, I, Sigourney Weaver, is, if she wasn't even in it, I'm sure she's she's in it, right? I don't know. So we'll see. But I'm I definitely I need to see it in 3D because if that's that may be the only choice. I mean, I think with the first, not I'm sure there was other options, but we'll see. 
And we'll also see what's going to happen next because that is going to be the news for the week. Okay, with comic books, this now this week is it, man. It feels like it's been such a long week. When I started reading some of the comics, it's like when I finished reading the comics. Um, cause, I mean, okay, so at Image, I read Dark Ride 2, and I was like, man, it feels like I read that so long ago. And I might have read it like last Sunday. So, you know, maybe it's been a while, but I'm, I'm just like, did I read that? Even like like the, the Justice League, the Gold, whatever, uh, the DC, I was like, I feel like that was like two weeks ago. Uh, at, so at Image, we have Dark Ride number two. This is uh, the Joshua Williamson, um, Andre Brisson, a comic. Uh, it, I'm so intrigued with this book. I, I think it's fascinating. You know, you have this horror-themed amusement park that was, you know, kind of built under questionable means, and you know, you got this inventor dude who's kind of like this recluse. You know, he doesn't go out in public, and it's like his son's kind of running things, and his daughter's like doing her own thing, like music stuff or whatever, and kind of capitalizing on that. But she's, you know, has her own popularity, you know, in her own right. And it's it's like, wait, what happened to that that dude that was working? You know, just he got a job at the park, and you know, he's super into like all the horror stuff, and then he kind of got pulled away and then never showed up again it's like is he gone forever it's like what, what, what's happening here and and yeah so and even if, if you go back to the first issue which i don't want to spoil it just you know with with the dude who invented you know came up with this park his uh his the opening sequence like what he does it's just this is a uh, this is kind of dark and everything so i don't know about that okay then uh there's kaya number two so Kaya is by Wes Craig, and you know when I, when I was first reading in the 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 preview uh, um, panels pages, I was just like, okay, I don't know if I'm really sold on this because you know it's not, not had nothing to do with the characters, but it's just like the whole adventure feel, and I I'm just not like a big adventure, t- uh, you know, like Lord of the Rings type of thing. You know, I, I guess that's how I would equate it, kind of similar to that, but not not really. And you know, I still haven't finished the the first season of Lord of the Rings since I stopped covering it, and I probably should at some point. You know, maybe it got better, but with uh, Kaya, I'm I am in, intrigued with this. So you know, Kaya, you're you're dealing with uh, you know, Kaya's the main character. She's watching her, I think it's like her like her half brother. So you know, he's supposed to be this prince, and their town was like basically demolished or you know attacked and everything like that. So she's trying to protect them. They're you know totally out on their own. They have like no means. They've kind of just recently hooked up with like some these lizard people that Kaya's known. You know she was like friends with one of them. And as we're seeing in this issue, there's there's kind of like some sort of like um, romantic interest. You know they they kind of like each other, but there are other things that get in the way aside from the fact that you're talking about a human and a lizard person, and just seeing seeing some other things. But I. I just really dig it. There's this one scene, this just this look on Kaya's face, and it just it brought me back to like Dead, Deadly Class. Just you know, the fact that you know Wes Craig's art, I just I love his art. So I I'm I have to say I'm definitely on board now. You know I was with the first issue, I'm like okay, this is Wes Craig. Of course I'm going to get this. I'm of course I'm going to read it. But with this one, I'm I'm really intrigued as to seeing you know where these characters are going to go and, and so forth. So you should definitely check that out. Love Everlasting issue four. You know, I've I've I like this this book at the beginning, 
And as this is going on, you know, I, I think part of it is we're not really getting answers. You know, why is this woman constantly reliving or being like reborn into these different romantic stories and then you know something happens and we even with the last issue where you know the whoever's there's like someone after her like killing her which is causing you know a lot of this like reset and stuff like that but this issue before i'll be honest i didn't read the whole thing i started reading it and it just started skimming i didn't see any like threat like anyone after her and it was just like wait nothing from last week even matters she's in in this new life you know indeed you know talking with people and whatever romantic interest you know is is there but yeah so it just i don't know but i i should probably actually read it it, it just feels like it's dragging a little but i i do i really i love the art and the, the colors i think that those are really cool uh we had radiant black issue 19 so this it's it just it's there's a new uh in Brazil, there's like this something pops up, and and I always I always feel I question when I talk about this book uh, because I feel like there's just so much going on, like all the different characters, all the different like uh, radiant colored you know people suits, but like if you haven't read it, which you should read it because you know Kyle Higgins is is a really good writer. If if I were to say anything about it and you haven't read any of it, you might be like, wait, radiant other color? What are you talking about? So it's it's hard for me to you know mention things where I'm I'm just I'm not sure how up to date people are and I definitely absolutely don't want to spoil anything like uh, something that happens to one of the other colored radiants whatever you want to call them yeah I yeah I can't spoil it but there's, there's definitely just read the book <laughs> trust me I mean check it out try it and you'll probably like oh this is pretty cool. Uh, Seven Sons. I'm. I don't know. Know if I'm three books behind, three issues behind now, because I I didn't get a, a chance to read that. Um, at Boom, I didn't read anything, but uh, Seven Secrets Volume Three came out. The trade paperback. I don't. Know, is this like the end of it? I'm trying to remember. This is 13 through 18, and um, yeah, the final volume. So you should be reading this. I. I missed an issue and I got behind with that. So I'm going to read this trade because I think this would pick up like from where I left off. I don't remember the last issue I read, but this was a, um, you know, Tom Taylor wrote it. And then uh, Danielle, Danielle Di Nicolo does, I mean, such, such good art. I really like the art and, and the, the colors, uh, Walter uh, Biamonte. So that's another book you should read. So it's from Boom Studios. It's it's really good. You should check that out. And then um, IDW. I didn't read anything. I don't know if there's anything I would normally read. Doesn't look like it. But at DC Comics. So we had the New Golden Age. So this is like a, a one shot with the JSA. And um, the, there's it's you need to read this. With uh, like the Star Girl stuff and the Justice Society, you definitely want to read this this one shot. It's a uh, it's like fifty pages, fifty page book. So you know it's it's oversized, but there's if if you're just curious about these these characters and like where they're gonna go, uh, it it's kind of cool. Just because we we're seeing some glimpses of the future, like there's some stuff from like ten years in the, in the future, and I don't know like how much I should spoil, but. There's part of it. I mean, I guess the the big thing is uh, we have like 
Batman and Selena's daughter, which you probably know who that is in, in this uh, Earth 2, whatever you want to call it. I, and, and they're not necessarily... I don't think they're in Earth 2. You know, there's there's that where they might be in, in regular Earth. Have they been merged? I have no idea. But just like seeing the Justice Society. And for me, it's, it's, it's always fascinating because I was never like a long-term... I, I don't even remember when I first started reading about the Justice Society because... You know, when I started reading comics in the 80s, that was, or, you know, then we had Crisis on Infinite Earths and a lot of that was like wiped away. So I missed a lot of the Justice Society stuff. You know, then I knew who like Alan Scott was and uh, obviously like Hawkman. And it's like, wait, Wonder Woman was on there. She wasn't on there. And then there was, you know, Sandman Mystery Theater. And it was like, wait, there was this other Sandman. It's like, so, you know, it's it always cool to see all this stuff. And then when Jeff Johns did the series in the, two tw- 2010s was it uh, yeah i i really got on board with that and was like really fascinated with what was going on there and just getting to know these characters and for, you know for a lot of them it was like the first time you know, where i knew who these characters were i had read uh, uh you know various back issues story you know story arcs and stuff like that but i'm just really excited with what's going on here and just seeing like the different pieces of time and you know there's some dark stuff happening and that always i i'm not a big fan of the big dark stuff happening but you know you need the big dark stuff happen to give a reason for the the story so there's definitely some some cool aspects here and also like at the end you get like those i forget what they call them like the 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 files like the who's who's whatever dc does there's a lot of like uh, updated articles on like a lot of the kids of the various characters and and some of them's like i never even heard of these characters and and at first i'm like wait are you making these up but there's you know they, they talk about like the first appearance and you know they're citing actual issues so i'm assuming they're not making all that up you know it's all legit but it, it's it's uh there, there's something that's all i'll say so you should definitely check this out it really gives you a taste of like what what's coming up so i'm i'm excited for for this because also reading this you know i'm i'm enjoying dc comics for you know with what's going on but i i just feel like just with a lot of the stuff i i don't really know where the continuity is and even with like the mark wade stuff you know we had batman versus robin and we have batman and superman because if someone's like are, are these these are in different they're obviously in different continuities you know the the batman superman compared to Batman, you know, it's like Mark Wade's writing these both. So I, I thought at first I was like, or is this a continuation, just rebranded title, you know, for a second story arc or whatever. But, and there's just different, uh, it just feels like it's kind of all over the place. And then I think part of the problem is you had, when we had the death of the justice league, but then it's like, wait, that hasn't happened. You know, this week's wonder woman, which I'll talk about in just a second. It turns out I almost didn't read that because it's like, this takes place before justice league 75. So I'm like, are you serious? So this is a book from this. This story takes place like four months ago, five months ago. Why should it? Why should I even read it? Where it's not going to have any big major impact because we're so far beyond that. You know, the Justice League is essentially on their way back from being quote unquote dead. So I, I don't know. But with the this golden age, you know, Justice League stuff, I'm really liking the vibe and everything. Uh, which is for me it's like so fascinating i'm actually going this route but it's i'm just really excited about the characters are being set up in this little corner and there's also some like uh, doomsday clock elements as as well and if you read 
uh, beyond uh, Flashpoint Beyond that Jeff Johns also wrote. There's some elements of of there too that are all tying in, and so it, it kind of has this like like ambitious feel to it, you know. And Jeff Johns, you know, say what you will, I th- I think he's a he's a fantastic writer. I I've always loved, and I I think he's a, a great guy from every time I, I've talked to him. But I'm just so I I feel like he just has all these big huge ideas, and I'm always just just so intrigued with what he comes up with and, and just seeing them come to execution, you know, seeing them play out. And it's just so much, it's, it's exciting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this, even though I, if you would have told me this, like before that I'm going to be excited about like just society, I'd be like, okay, really? Uh, then we have Batgirls issue 12. So this, I think this is the last issue. It, it kind of felt like it. I don't know if it's continuing, which if it's not, it's a bummer because you know I I enjoy I adore these characters you know I I love seeing Barbara Stephanie and Cassandra like together I love and I've said this like every time I love that they're all called Batgirl I think it's a little confusing that they're all called Batgirl but it's it's just really really fun my only thing is why the heck is Stephanie Brown skin why is her skin like purple I feel like she's like Purple Man's daughter you know Purple Man's Marvel. Why is her skin so purple? I don't understand. Because even in like Barbara, her skin's not quite, you know, it has like a pinkish whatever tinge to it. It's like, do you not have like human color in your, your palette? You, you have to, like you ran out of that crayon, so you got to use something. Cl- I, it just, to me, it's so distracting. I don't understand why she's so purple. Because I think like Riddler wasn't that purple. It, it, it's so stupid that I get hung up on that I, and I'm kicking myself. I'm not trying to insult the book or anything, but it's just, to me, it's distracting. So I'm, I'm insulting my comprehension, you know, that I get hung up on that. So Wonder Woman 793, as I, as I mentioned, this takes place before we have, it's, it's a story with Wonder Woman, Batman and Superman. And it was a, it was a really good story. A little kind of cheesy, but it was just fun to see them. They they meet up at the Watchtower, which you know hasn't really been used in the longest time, and it turns out that there's like something up there. So I was like, wait, what's going on? So they get in this little adventure and and just the interaction between the three and how you know Batman is always like you know like the old grump and everything. He doesn't want to admit anything, but you know he obviously he you know adores Bruce and Diana. So it's it's just fun seeing their dynamics. Wildcats number one. I this is another book I, I really liked. So I was, you know, day one Wildcats, I was there. You know, day one Wildcats, I was like buying two or three copies of, of the comics and, you know, board, bagging and boarding and all that. So, you know, in some ways you can say, yes, I'm an old school Wildcats fan, but I would not, absolutely not say that I'm a hardcore Wildcats fan because. As the series progressed, or you know, volume two or volume three or whatever, I wasn't reading those, and it wasn't any particular reason. I think I just missed them at my comic shop because you know it just didn't pop out, and you know maybe I didn't add it to my pull list or I what because I must have been reading previews when when those came out. But for whatever reason, or maybe it was just at a point where I was like, I need to cut back on comics. You know, there, there was a while where you know I was just, I think I just wasn't buying certain comics because I couldn't afford them you know whatever so i didn't read a lot of the other wildcat books like was it alan moore that wrote wildcats am i totally wrong with that or joe casey it wasn't like joe casey and dustin win i mean i i'm not really overly familiar with all these various other incarnations of wildcats 
but then you know i have read a couple here and there and you know we've seen them pop up later and and so forth with this i have a feeling that and i i should have looked up like what reviews were for this but i i feel like maybe the hardcore traditional fans might not super duper like this or might have some issues with it that oh this isn't you know this and i maybe i'm wrong but i feel like a couple members on a team aren't or weren't ever wildcat members you know they're in the wildstorm universe but i don't know if they're ever actually on the team and, and i could be totally wrong with that so we have grifter um the thing about i this is my big biggest my only problem with the book i don't like grifter's hair the way he's drawn. He's always kind of had like kind of wild, messy, sort of spikyish hair or whatever. And then, you know, you got the blonde, bushy hair going and you got the red mask. You know, just this visual is just really cool. His hair now here, it's like super short. It's almost like a buzz cut. It's a lot, heck of a lot easier to draw, I would imagine, especially keeping the consistency and all that. Not having to do to Jim Lee, you know, wavy hair, strands of hair going all over that he likes to do. Uh, and he does so well. So it just really bothers me. It's like, man, that's not Grifter's hair. And it's so, like, it, again, it's another, like, who cares? He got a haircut. Get over it, Tony. But it just, that, that really bothered me. So we have Grifter and we have um, Zelot. Zealot? Zelot? I always call her Zelot. I don't think that's right now that I say it. And it's supposed, you know, she doesn't, don't call her that name. She doesn't like that. But she's in it. And then we also have Deathblow. And I don't think this is a spoiler that he's on the team. But we have Deathblow there. And I'm like, wait, Deathblow was like Team 7. You know, he wasn't necessarily... Was he ever Wildcats? And again, I could be totally wrong. I I love the fact that he's there because I love Deathblow. And even though it's like, wait, did that ever finish? Did he ever get cured from dying? How is he... You know, he was dying from day issue 1. Or when it was like that Image Presents, whatever that, that book was, that had like eight issue pages... See, I, I read my Wildstorm back then. I, I still have them in, in, a, in a short box. I have like all my image books. So he's there. And then, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not. It's like they need some more, you know, they need another member, another you know powerhouse. They bring in Caitlin Fairchild. It's like, what? And I, I think that that's, that's amazing. She's Gen 13. She's not Wildcats. Was she ever part of Wildcats? I, again, I don't know. But I, I think it's really cool to see. There is this one scene, I will also say, before I, because I don't want to spoil anything else, but there's a scene where, with like Nightwing and Cassandra Kane. And I, I just thought that right there, just, I love that scene so much and what that, how that plays out and what that means for like, and if you want to know like, where the heck does this book fit in continuity, that right there answers everything. And just the fact that that happened the way it did. It just, I love that so much. I, I think it is so brilliant. And uh, if you want to talk about it, message me because I, I definitely I think it's so, so cool. Uh, nice House on Lake Issue 11. Man, things are just like such a mess here. And, and, and by mess, is for the characters, like the situation and like what's going on. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, we're getting towards the end of this and it's getting to the points where it's like, oh man, and you know, where I'm kind of cringing a little bit because it's like this, this isn't good. You know, the, this things are are just falling apart, like left and right for everyone. So you should re- definitely read that. Uh, Flash, fastest man alive. This is supposed to be an official movie tie-in, but 
I just I I are we really gonna have these like super powered other you know characters in here? I I don't know. And the the, the stories for a tie-in comic, it, it was it was pretty good. You know, I'm not a fan of the tie-in stuff because I I feel like they just they always feel so watered down. But this has been okay uh, considering. So whatever, take that as you as you will. Superman, Son of Kal El, issue seventeen. So we have Superman back, and you know there, there's a lot of him adjusting to having his dad back, and it's like he still hasn't talked to him about Jay, and you know he, he's like he's like he's afraid to tell him and stuff like that, and then of course there's like a new threat coming, which of course there's a new threat coming. So what was that going to mean? But it's a uh, it's some interesting stuff. I, I love Tom Taylor's writing, everything like that. I just it just bothers me so much that Jonathan was was his age was accelerated. I wish we still had young Superboy. I, I feel and I'm so tired of saying that. I'm sure people are tired of hearing me say it, but I just feel like there's so much opportunity. I should just do like an off my mind on that. Just talking you just do like a thirty minute podcast talking about why Jonathan should be a kid and not like a, t- a late teenager. But yeah, so you have that. And then there is I Am Batman, issue 15. So more about Jace, right? Jace Fox and, you know, being Batman in New York and everything like that. What he decides at the end does lead into Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths because, you know, they had approached him with the, the Justice League being dead about him, like, stepping up and doing it. And he's like, no, I was like, I, I'm not a team player or whatever. I'm doing my thing in New York but then he decides to change his mind. So then in Dark Christ and Infinite Earth, issue six, he shows up at, at there, which I'm so glad that I read I Am Batman 15 first because otherwise it'd be like, wait, what? So uh, Dark yeah, Dark Crisis, uh, it's, uh, you know, th- pieces are, are, are falling together or falling in place, you know, with the Justice League. And uh, I just... I uh, this whole wait so who's the main villain here is that's not Necron is it you know here's a that's I I could be like embarrassing myself by not knowing but just uh, his whole goal of like trying to wipe out the, the Earth and I just I I don't I don't know I don't get it um and then it's like the whole I I'm. And I may have missed something, so you know I'm, I'm not knocking the book, but just like Deathstroke's involvement, how he's just like all on board with with this, and it's so I still don't know like what is he supposed to be getting out of this? Where and he's obviously corrupted, you know, and they're, they're, where you're seeing all of the the villains fighting, they're like, oh, we can't break their hold. It's like every single villain has like a black chain around her neck. I'm sure. If you either remove or shatter or whatever, someone get that chain off them, they're probably not going to be under the, this dark power anymore. Maybe that's just what I would think. Then there is a death, death of Superman, thirtieth anniversary. At first, I was just like, uh, "Do I want to read this? Do I need to read this?" But it was um, the the great, the cool thing about this is we did have a young Jonathan Kent in here. Where he's at school and there's this dude come, like a guest speaker talking about when Superman died and he's like, wait, what are you talking about? Because he had no idea that his dad died, you know, fought Doomsday and ended up dying. Because you know, you're not gonna tell your kid. Oh, by the way, your dad died for a while, but then he came back. 
And because then he starts panicking when he's finding out more about Doomsday. He's like, you know, because basically Doomsday went after Superman because he's Kryptonian. So it's he's like, is he going to come after me and try to kill me? And, you know, sort of stuff like that. So I, I, I like that. And just revisiting that and, you know, with, with Dan Jurgens and, you know, just some some cool moments here. Tom Grummet's art. So it, it was cool just to see that. And again, you get young Jonathan. So that, that was like a bonus. Then we have Batman versus Robin issue three. Man, so the, I don't know if I mentioned like who popped up, who returned in in the first issue, but more on that. Uh, what the other thing that was cool here is um, I forget this this dude's name, uh, the pig guy from uh, Monkey Prince. He he is here, and you know Damien sees him. He's like, I know you because they they saw each other in the was the first two issues or to second issue or something like that. So that was cool to see that. But, man, it's just like, what is Damien doing? What's he up to? And, like, what's going on here? And um, So, yeah, Batman has his hands full. Um, yeah, just like, some crazy stuff going on. And, like, something that happens, I'm just like, man. It's like, I kind of had a feeling. I don't know how I feel about it. So I'm, I'm just really uh, not happy about something. That's all I'll say. And in Batman Incorporated issue two, so I'm not the biggest uh, Ghostmaker fan, but I, I'm, I'm you know I'm intrigued with him and you know by him taking control of Batman Incorporated, you know that that's weird and interesting, you know because it's just you know Bruce trusts him and everything like that. But we're seeing more of him grow, and you know he wants to do the, the right thing. And there was the you know the, the Batman, the Chip Zdarsky book where we saw him and Bruce training you know around the world, a different place like that. So there's some some cool moments how this like kind of ties into it, where some of the people who have trained them have been targeted or being killed. So uh, Ghostmaker and, and his people, his his Batman or whatever, and Clown Killer. They're trying to go out and save them, but then as soon as he shows up, they they're automatically assumed the Ghostmaker's been killing all his former uh, teachers and mentors and stuff like that. So there's some some interesting things there. Then at Marvel, I couldn't do it. I I was going to do it. Axe Judgment Day Omega, the fallout of Judgment Day is felt. After events, we make promises. Nothing will ever be the same again. For the Eternals, it's a lie. It's always the same and always will be. However, in a wake of Judgment Day, they discover what is truly eternal. I just, I could not get on board with, with this. And I, I don't know what it is. Something about the Eternals that just, it just doesn't click with me. And it, it bums me out because I really want to give this a, a chance. But I just, I couldn't get into it. All right, then there is Amazing Spider-Man 13. So I obviously I've been loving this. So I, I shouldn't say obviously. I'm I love Hobgoblin. I'm a huge, humongous Hobgoblin fan. So I, I really love what was done here. Because I'm such a big Hobgoblin fan, you know, it, it, it's not an automatic that I'm gonna love it. So I, I think they did a really good job. Um Zeb Wells and John Romita Jr. did it did a good job adding another layer to the the story because you know it was just weird we had roderick kingsley which i'm not super fan of, of him but you know he's meeting with norman osborne or whatever and then hobgoblin attacks like wait what who is this hobgoblin what's going on 
And we got Ned Leeds. Wait, what's Ned Leeds' involvement and everything like that? It's like, wait, what? And then there's, I almost said something else. So, um, and then there's, uh, as, as it says in synopsis, witness the birth of the gold goblin. Who the heck is a gold goblin? Which maybe it's it's obvious. Is it obvious? So I really enjoyed that. My only um, complaint is that the story arcs over. It was only I think two issues because next week or next issue it's like something different. Then we have Avengers sixty two, um, history's mightiest hero conclusion. Yeah, right. Is it really? I just oh my goodness. I'm just I don't know what my problem is with this whole Mephisto stuff is just not that is definitely not working for me captain america sentinel of liberty uh, issue six i i don't know how i feel it so like last issue you know they're they're trying to infiltrate this um secret group or secret team that's been you know the outer circle doing all this stuff manipulating things throughout like history or not history but whatever past 100 years and and so Steve and and Bucky are going there, and then they're like revealing some stuff to Bucky about stuff that they've how they've manipulated him, everything like that. He makes like a decision, and and it's like basically him and Steve are getting this issue is about them fighting each other because Steve's like, no, you can't do this, whatever, you know, you need to come with me, and and just so because of that, that's not the stuff that you want to, you don't want to see Steve and Bucky like at odds against each other, and so it's just. Yeah, and when the dust settles, Steve Rogers' world will never be the same again, according to the synopsis. So I, I did not like that, but we'll see where it's going to go. Oh, man, I didn't read Doom Damage Control number four. Did I say that last time? I didn't. So this is, listen to this. It's been a tough week for Gus at Damage Control. On Monday, he nearly called a catastrophic scroll attack. On Tuesday, he smushed a family that had been shrunk on pin particles. And on Wednesday, he turned himself into a monstrous guinea pig kaiju. That's why Gus has been banished down to research and development to assist Eugene Strausser. But introducing Gus to the one other member of Damage Control team who has a brief stint as a supervillain could have dire consequences. I said, are you friggin' serious? Why is this guy still employed here? Why is he still? Why are they moving him? Is he? It'd be one thing if he was like the boss's nephew or something like that. But the fact that he's doing all these like really bad things and it's 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 just all in in the name of comedy. It's supposed to be funny that he's caused almost causes a scroll attack. <laughs> it's just oh, it just makes me so angry. I don't know why. No offense to anyone involved with this book. In case you're listening. But uh, I just don't know. And, you know, humor, is, is humor subjective? Is, is that, that the case? I, I just, I, I don't think I have, a, like, an uptight sense of humor. But, I mean, there's a lot of things. And I don't think I have, like, a super lowbrow or, like, a cheap, you know, whatever. I, I have to, I can appreciate a certain level of humor. And that's, like, the buildup and what, what goes into it. I also can appreciate, like, you know, the low bar, you know, it's just simple, whatever. But... I just I don't find this funny, and and I, that's it's supposed to be. There are, are some things when like when uh, people are like really trying to be funny, I'm like, it's not, and you know, I I don't know, I I won't go into further details. I will just stop there. Fantastic Four issue one. So this is Ryan North, um, Iban Cuello. This was a weird first issue. So, okay, you're relaunching Fantastic Four for the upteenth, you know, whatever time. 
this was just it was like it was Ben and Alicia. And there's there's no mention. It's not until the last page where you're like, oh, and then you know, re, redid this, and it's like, wait, what? So they told a cliffhanger ending. This is basically just Ben and Alicia going on a road trip. It's like, who's watching the kids? And it's like, why are they on a road trip? Which I, you know, I'm sure we'll find this out. They end up going to this small town, and um, yeah, see, even. even like the synopsis says, something has gone horribly wrong in New York. You don't find that out until the end. Thing and Alicia are traveling across America to escape it. That seems weird, but they don't take the kids, so maybe something happened with them. Uh, but when they stop in a small town for the night and wake up in the morning before they arrived, they find themselves caught in a time loop. Boy, you're really giving everything away here. So it was interesting. Oh, but then the other thing is like Ben kept calling Alicia Sweet Pea. And I think she like she, Alicia was calling Ben babe. Um, you know, it, it's it's great for them to be lovey dovey and all that, but oh, did we actually get a scene where Alicia like kisses Ben on the lips, which is like weird to think about. Uh, whatever, teach your own, right? But I just thought it's a sweet pea, sweet pea. It just it felt weird. I, I mean, good for them, but I don't remember them ever doing that. Legion of X issue seven came out. I am not reading that. I refuse to read that because I just don't like Legion. This could be like the best book at Marvel for all I know. I, I don't I I don't know. I just I can't get into Legion. Um Marauders, same thing. I didn't read this because this was part two and I didn't read the last one. Uh what's the art like inside? Because that cover okay. The cover is very weird. Okay, I'm looking at the preview pages. Everyone they're all naked in a hot spring. It it just seems weird how <laughs> just a whole like nudity free is is it free love that since they're on Krakoa just like I don't know what what what's going on with me and they're getting a little a little too frisky. Uh, then we have Moon Knight issue seventeen. So uh, okay, I was I'm, I had to remember it's like I felt like this was one of the first Marvel books I read. So obviously, so I was like, what what happened? How long ago? So Moon Knight is uh, going after the vampire group, the structure, and they're, you know, setting up, they really want to lay claim to New York and they want to expand other, you know, regions. And, you know, they're even talking about, like with the Dracula stuff in uh, Moscow, we saw something pretty bad happen to that other Moon Knight dude. And um, Moon Knight gets, gets pretty hardcore. Uh, and it, it was really cool. <laughs> That's, I don't want to spoil anything more. Then we have ugh, Sabretooth and Exiles. I'm just like, do I really want to read this? I don't like Sabretooth. And I didn't read like his last miniseries. So as I'm reading this, I have no idea what's going on, why like some of these characters are together. And um, yeah, I just, it's like, okay, I, I did read, I forced myself to read it, but I just I I and none of the characters are really that redeeming, you know. Okay, you have Orphan Maker and Nanny. That's not gonna make me want to buy the book. Then there's a new character o Oyo, who it's like, why is she hanging out with them? And these are a lot of these uh, a lot of characters here were like thrown in in the the hold, whatever, like the 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 prison inside Krakoa, where like someone people like Sabretooth are so atrociously horrible that they get locked in the ground. Uh, it's like, what? How did, why are these other people there? I don't I even mean, know what's going on. 
Uh, Spider-Man issue two. I, I love the fact that Dan Slott's back on Spider-Man or writing Spider-Man. And I love Mark Bagley anytime he draws Spider-Man. I just don't really like this Spider-Verse stuff. So this is the end of the Spider-Verse. Uh, it's, it's I, I, I don't care for all these other random versions of Spider-Man. I, I feel like we get so much. It's almost like, I don't know. It, it feels like a gimmick. It's like, let's have, here's another version. Here's another version. Oh, here's a, a spider character who's a Disney princess and can sing, and all these we're gonna panels of songs. It's okay. That to me that got old like really fast, and I, it almost feels like maybe Marvel's like let's try to create all these other characters because then maybe they'll catch on. Maybe we'll get another Spider Gwen. Uh, I don't know. So we we have all all this and it's. The other part that bugs me is so when this attack first started, Spider-Man's mask, of course, it's like this isn't the Marvel Cinematic Universe where we need to see, you know, Tom Holland wants his face to be on, or people want to see Tom Holland's face on screen. But it's like Peter's not wearing his mask. And there's like even one scene where they're out in the streets, in the streets of New York, and you can see some people inside a building looking out. They're like, what, what's going on out there? Dude, Spider-Man doesn't have his mask on. Get him a mask. Don't don't constantly have. Maybe he needs like a helmet, something that's not gonna just rip and shred as soon as he gets one punch. Oh, and then there's all stuff with more loon, which I don't like more loon, but okay, whatever. Um, then the Marvel app is weird because there's like this weird gap in the middle of my Marvel app. So I was, I'm I'm trying to wonder. It's like, did, did, is there anything that I did I miss any any books? I don't think I did. Uh, let me just look real quick. Okay, so yeah, I guess that's everything. Because then, uh, oh, Spider-Man: The Lost Hunt, R- Jam De Demetrius, awesome, right? It, it should be, it should be great. Uh, but then, what was weird is it turns out this is happening like when Peter Parker and Mary Jane moved to Oregon when Peter thought he was the clone. So this is like right after the Clone Saga. That when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, okay," because I, I'm not. I, I've kind of fallen off of these old time or these whatever books taking place in a different era. But here, just so Spider-Man kind of lost his powers, and he's just like so angry, and he's just so bitter, and just like the way he's like talking to Mary Jane, it's like, "Oh my gosh, this is Spider-Man, such an a-hole," and. It's just like, you're such a jerk. This is your pregnant wife. And at one point, he's even like, you know, the, the baby kicks. And then he's like, I, you know, I just realized that I can't, you know, put anything at risk. And he's still. So then we have, um, does it say who it is? I don't know if I want to spoil. Because then it's like, wait, how can Craven be around when he's, you know, supposed to be dead? Well, someone, a man from Craven's past stalks them. Who is this mystery? Okay, so it's not a spoiler. Um, or, I mean, it is a spoiler. So, uh, it's a time period after Spider-Man, the final adventure, when Peter was powerless. So, it, it is... It's, I just... I didn't like seeing jerky Spider-Man. But there's some important parts in there. I'm not reading Venom. And Wolverine issue 27. So, I, I know I didn't read the last issue. But, dang, man. It's a... Uh, I, from what I gather here, it seems like 
Wolverine is being used by Beast to like murder all these people. Like, here's a reporter who writes about how much he hates mutants and stuff like that, and then he's dead. His head's like chopped off, sitting on his computer. Here's a whatever, and so it's just like Beast. Are you really using Wolverine to kill all these people? Which I mean, a straight up like murder, assassin, like civilians. I, I feel like I'm missing something. Whatever. Then there is X Men Legends issue four, which I didn't read, but I, I love that cover. You know, long shot under. Uh, I didn't read issue three, which is was the first part of this, because it's Mojo. I I, I just. I never understood the fascination or interest in Mojo, Mojo World. I so I didn't read that. Um, but that's it. That, that so I didn't read anything else either. So that is my horrible ending. That's gonna be comics for the week. All right, with the peripheral, I think I'm gonna move the peripheral up to earlier in the show just to try to keep the shows chronologically throughout the week. I know it does. It's not that big of a deal, but just I guess whatever it just I, I think it makes more sense so starting with a uh, season one episode four. Oh, and i also started listening to the audiobook i didn't even realize there was a book in the beginning so uh i i started listening on audible and it's interesting listening to the book and knowing you know since we're now in the fourth episode of of the show i was a little hesitant because I, I worry about getting further i don't know how much because I there's I think there's two books out. It's listed as a trilogy, so maybe the third one's not out yet. And I was a, a little hesitant to start listening because I was like, well, am, am I going to get to the point where I'm going to get spoilers? And I kind of don't want spoilers, but that's okay. Um, so far, it's uh, pretty similar. I'm at the point. I must be like a, a, uh, trying to think. Just just past like when the the bounty came in the. The present, I guess you you would say, even though it's like our future and, and all that. When the, the guys came and, and all, so um, I'll I'll talk more about it as I get further in, into the book and and so forth. Episode four, jackpot, starts off London twenty seventy five. So this is in <laughs> this is where it's going to get confusing. It's obviously further into the future than where Flynn is and Burton are from, but it's earlier than where we're seeing like Lev and Wilf and, and all them. 2075, there's like smog, there's like wreckage all over. So we see Wolf and Alita, because they're kids, they're like in this old bus uh, giving this kid like, his name's Angus, I don't think that matters. I don't know if we're gonna see him again. They're giving him like food and stuff like that. They found, so I guess they've gone out like scavenging. So he's probably like, who would have to have to pay for like protection and shelter or whatever. And uh he he's complaining that Wolf isn't pulling his weight. He's, he's accusing him of like holding back and stuff like that. But Alita, she's like tougher and she's like kind of standing up for him and everything. So then they, they hear there's a, some lady outside giving away free food. So Angus wants Wolfie to, to go and check it out. And Alita thinks that it's a trap that, you know, kids are, are getting snatched up and stuff like that. But he kind of goes out anyways, just to, to kind of prove himself. Cause you know, so he doesn't need Alita to stand up to him. So he goes out there and he sees like a, a tent, uh, you know, outside and, and it, it kind of like, cause there's people like uh, in line, you know, getting stuff, but this tent kind of shimmers a little bit. So then he throws a stone and it passes through and it like shimmers and then the people in the line, you know, for food, they kind of disappear and shimmer too. So then he sees a couple dudes like in hazmat suits, like headed his way. So he starts running and then 
this is like weird because then like Wolf and the leader are like calling out to each other. You know, it's hard to see anything. She gets grabbed and then Wolf gets grabbed. So we've seen them as kids when they got adopted out. So maybe they were grabbed and taken to an orphanage at some point. I'm sure, you know, we're going to see more of, of this time uh, before. So they obviously they were living on the streets or whatever. And there was also, you know, the the dude that adopted them was asking if they were like uh, inoculated against whatever is going out there because the people out there were wearing, you know, like full on suits. So we'll f- see, find out more about what's going on in this future in this episode. So then later, when you know they're adults, Lev sees it. Uh, they found, you know, what 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 they found at the surgery place. So There's like an implant, two peripheral CPUs. That seems to be all that's left of Alita. He says he's tempted just to dump them in a river and be done with it. Wilf says uh, Ashton Osian should be able to trace where the peripherals were piloted from. If, if they can al- unlock Alita's implant, then Lev says it's doubtful given encryption, but Wilf's suggesting that there are other avenues to pursue. Then Lev mentions that there are things for others to pursue too, like a body and his DNA, which is likely all over the place. So he's like, I'd send a team to scrub, but it'd be bad if they were caught. So he's like, at the very least, you know, Wolf should be should prepare himself for harsh reality of Alita's death. And without the immunity boost of her implants, how long could she last? So is there something, again, is there something in the air, something going on that, you know, so now her implants are keeping them alive or something? There's still the whole thing where, which again, so some of its address is like how there's no people there, and I was wondering what what there was one scene in particular with this, and I'll, I'll mention when I, when I get to that point, where I'm, it's a little confusing as to because I, I wonder, it's like, are they really when we're seeing them in, in their future, are are they really there, or are they doing some sort of like holographic setting, you know, something that's not real? Because sometimes it's like, wait, are they really there or not? Especially with like what Sharice did with making the floor disappear, and <laughs> I'm I'm a little confused with that. So then, in the quote unquote present, Flynn is like washing up, and she sees that her left eye is like red, and there's like bruising around it. So it's probably from from the fight because that that Daniel dude says it, it it leaves a mark, and he like shot her point blank, but he didn't shoot her in the face. He shot her like like in a gut or something like that. So I don't know, just the impact like all around. And then she like looks down at her hand and she's like squeezing the toothpaste and she can't unclench it. Then she looks back in the mirror and her eyes like back to normal too. So it's like, was it really, did that really? So it's again, wait, what's going on? Tommy, the sheriff, the deputy, whatever, comes by the house. He sees like some drones flying in the sky and he tells Burton, he's like, oh, I thought I'd come by and say hi. He's like, I'm going to get right to the point. And you know, he mentions that he, he saw him and Corbell shaking hands down at the bar Flynn, you know, she came out too, and she like didn't know about this, so she's just kind of like, you know, looks at Burton. Tommy says that you know it got him concerned with all the abandoned vehicles around and the bullet and the, the drones he has up. So he thought he'd come by for a visit in his own clothes in his own truck just to make sure it's clear that he's there as a friend. And Burton's like, I appreciate that, you know, but he's like, you don't have to worry about us. And then he's like, what about you, Flynn? He's like, you okay? And she's like, yeah, we both are. Well, all right then. And he like leaves. After he leaves, Flynn's like, I flipping hate having to lie to him like that. <laughs> I just love the way, like just the, the way they talk and the curse and the, the accent, whatever. 
so she's like, I can't keep doing that. And Burton's like, you know, there's dozens of dead bodies out back. You know, it's, it's easier for Tommy to say he's their friend as long as he doesn't know about them. As soon as he does, he's going to have to remember that he's a cop. And she's like, well, why can't they tell him what they're telling everyone else? And Burton's worried that, you know, she's not thinking clearly and, you know, because she can't be rational about this. And, and she's not happy at that. She's like, why? Is it because, you know, she's a woman? And he's like, that's not what I'm saying. You know, she's too tangled up in this. And then, you know, Soder, like, in her room, he, like, takes out the, the busted Tommy cake topper and he, like, puts it on dresser. She's like, have you been going through my flipping trash? He's like, it was right there. And she's like, you need to leave. She's like, get the fudge out of my room. As he walks out, she's like, hey. She's like, I know a lot of terrible poop happened to you in a war. It's like, I get that. It's like, I flip and hate it. But you went because you chose to. It's like, you got to see a whole lot of stuff before the bad stuff happened, okay? But I had to say here, it was me who picked up the pieces after dad died. And when mama got sick and w- when your butt got home, that was me, Burton. She's like, it was all flipping me. It's like, and I didn't have nothing, Burton. I had nothing, just Sims and a stupid flipping crush. She's like, I know it's dumb, okay? It's like, I'm not an idiot, but it mattered to me. It mattered to me because it flipping helped and you have no flipping right at all no right to come in my room and say that poop to me so then he's trying to get her to stop and everything and her her eyes like red again and like bruised and then she like falls down and starts convulsing and he's like not really sure what to do so he yells out to leon then we see sharice she's getting like a new bot made and she's saying that the body type isn't right so i think she's um trying to model it like daniel the dude he's he's no longer there he got killed it has like the robot head but you can kind of like see his face over it like with the the mesh or whatever the lines and then she makes like some other adjustment and then she asks you know what they have from the other night and he says wolf netherton adopted brother to alita west also known associated associate of lev zubov and Sharice like says that there's their klept connection. So Lev is part of the klept. That's like the group. Of, I don't don't really know what. I, I don't know if they have explained it before, but they've mentioned it a couple times. She asks where she can find Lev now. The the robot scans and says subject located in Virginia water. So then we see Flynn and Burton. They're sitting in the car outside the urgent like urgent care. And she's like, "This is stupid because I feel fine." And he's like, "Well, you didn't look fine 20 minutes ago." And she says that you know she thought that they were supposed to be keeping things quiet. He's like, but you had a flipping seizure. She mentions this girl in school. She's like, she had a seizure once and she never did it again. And he mentions her traveling to the future. She says, it's it's data transfer. She's like, they'll just tell me not to wear the headset. And Burton's like, well, you're not wearing it again if it's harming you. He's like, period. So he mentions, he's, then he's like, oh, and it's it's Dee Dee in there. Cause, you know, she's Tommy's fiance. He's like, are you cool with that? She's like, don't worry about it. Because she's like, you remember when... You did something, whatever, I forgot what it was. Or she found, I, th- I think she said she found weed in his drawer and then he got rid of it. And then he was, you know, he asked her not to bring it up or something like that. And she's like, and I never did. She's like, I never did until now. So she's like, please don't bring that up again. Inside, Dee Dee says that the way Burton described it, it makes it sound like a classic tonic clonic seizure. She's like what they used to call a grand mal. But if that were the case, she should be seeing the after effect on her EEG because it all looks perfectly healthy. And um, so Flynn kind of has like the bruising around her eye again. So tonic clonic is usually followed by like deep sleep, confusion, amnesia, etc. cetera. Uh, and then she's like, is there anything new in your life out of the ordinary? And Flynn like shakes her head. Burton's like, she's been playing a new sim. <laughs> and then Flynn just kind of looks at him. Dee Dee's like, you mean VR? And Burton's like, eh, it's a little more elaborate than that. And, you know, sort of a full body experience with a headset. And Dee Dee's like, what's it called? And, you know, she goes to her like her computer. She's like, she'll see if she can... You know, check if there's been any studies. Burns like, uh, I don't believe it has a name yet. 
And Didi's like, well, where's it from? He's like, a Colombian company. And Didi's like, okay, stop using it. She's like, plus, you know, rust, fluid, all that stuff. Call her if there's anything unusual. And as they leave, she's expert and she's like, could you give me that contact information for that company? I want to call them about the headset. And he looks at her, he's like, okay. <laughs> but obviously he's not going to do that. Then Flynn's in her room. She has like a regular headset on. You know, she's looking at some kids like trick-or-treating down Main Street. So it's obviously her and Burton and her dad when, when they're, they're kids. So Burton walks by and he's like, DD probably meant all headsets. And Flynn's like, what are you going, what are you going to do about that anyways? And, you know, her asking about the name of the company, he says, you know, dodge and delay. He asks, you know, what are you playing? And she's like, oh, nothing. I was just watching old home movies, she's like one of the old ones. So, you know, again, the trigger treating. So Burton walks out, but then he's like, sorry. And she's like, about what? He's like, you got a brain scan for one. He's like, I could keep going on until running out of things to apologize for. And she's like, yeah, but, you know, mama sing again. He's like, are you going to apologize for that too? Then in a serious tone, he's like, I'm, t- I'm talking about you. And she says that, you know, she's like, I've been to London. Heck, I visited a future. It's like, none of it can hold a candle going there. You know, it's fine. Don't worry. It's like, you know, he doesn't need to say sorry. So we see Burton sitting in a trailer. He's with Connor and Leon. Leon is telling him to think carefully, uh, Burton, because he, he wants to use a headset. He's like, if this is knocking Flynn on her back, someone has to talk to them. But he wants to go in person and surprise them. Leanne says, like, basically, yeah, but if something happens to him, they all are going to, because they have their haptic connection, so they're all going to share the experience. Then Connor's like, he has to, if she gets, has a body when she goes there, because he wants to go there, obviously, because he has, doesn't have much of a body. In London, Wolf goes in the kitchen, and Dominica is in there, so that's Lev's wife. He apologizes, and she's like, you have like a feline nature. She's like, you're always slinking away when I'm in the room. She's like, I find it unappealing. Like, like you can't be trusted. But one night, you know, me and Lev went out. We saw you there dancing. And I realized the sneaking out was a form of dancing. So it was like his way of avoiding entanglement. So he's afraid of someone getting hold of him. And, but she's not sure if it's literally or figuratively. Then she's like, she asks him, she's, she wants him to, him to dance with her. She's like, indulge me and I'll stop tormenting you. So she like snaps and like some music starts. They start doing some dancing and then Lev's like watching. I don't know. I think he's like watching through her eyes because they must share some connection as well. So it's, it's a little, little creepy that he's just, I mean, does she know that he's watching? And he's like outside sitting at a table. Then Sharice walks up and she's like, oh, sorry for startling you. She's like, uh, you must put too much faith in your perimeter alarms. So I, I, somehow she got up there. She wants to talk to him. Uh, with some privacy and she's like may i call you lev and he nods he's like may i call you sharice and she's like i prefer not (laughs) which is like what a um she says that he stole something from her and he's like i don't know what you mean and she's like alita west she's like how much were you paying her and he's like if someone theoretically stole something one would think that you would go to the police unless you didn't want the met knowing about this theoretically stolen thing so he asked her, you know, what was it that was stolen? And she just like chuckles. She says that, you know, she'd accuse him of playing dumb, but he seems to be forgetting quite a bit of vital information recently. Um, so there's more talking, blah, 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 stuff like that. Then she asks, what was he watching when she came up? And he says his wife, you know, she's like an apex predator. She was playing with the family pet. So who is he to, to question her? And she's like, is that how you view Mr. Netherton? You know, as a family pet. So I, I, 
how, how does she know? So obviously she's like bragging that, you know, she knows everything. He says that, you know, he's rather fond of his pets. You know, they're far more reliable than his friends. Then she mentions Yuri Samsonov was his friend once, right? She's like, poor Yuri, such a tragic fate. It's like, it was the, the klept who handed him over, someone he trusted. He, and, you know, he was wiped out by his DNA, his entire lineage. He, like, looks at his teacup and, you know, she gets up because, you know, his DNA is on a teacup. So she says that to think on that and she's like, have a lovely day. And then somehow, I don't know, he sees that his teacup is gone. So there's no way she could have grabbed the teacup because she had an umbrella in her hand and the cup was in front of him, but somehow his cup's missing. So I guess she took his cup and has his DNA so she could wipe him out on a DNA level. And I don't know, maybe with the time I travel, I don't know. So Wilf and Dominique are still dancing. So Ash, oh, she's like been combing like Flynnbot's hair and everything like that. And then she kind of turns on, but obviously it's not Flynn inside, it's Connor. He's like sitting there, he, he feels his legs and Ash is just like staring at him in Flynn's robot body. He looks at Ash and she like backs away and he's like, who the fudge are you? She's like, Osayan, get up here now. But it's like in her encrypted language. So Wilf and Dominica here like crashing from downstairs like a chair goes through the window the flynn bot jumps down and goes running osian tells wilf that the pults hacked the system ash says it's a friend of the brothers so and he's headed for the gates so ash quickly does like some stuff the controls um because like in the past present connor lets out like this big long yell and burton's like he's like what what can we do and he like breathes heavy he's like send me back so flynn is watching the memory again and you know so with her father then somehow wilf appears in her, her memory walks up to the bench that she's sitting at and she's like this is a private space mr netherton she's like i didn't invite you here he's like oh i'm sorry i didn't know he's like i ash arranged it he's like sorry so so obviously some time has passed but this is where things aren't fully clear when this is happening because he says that he wanted to address some issues that have arisen and he asks if he can sit whatever then he asks he's like what is this and she's like it's a home movie she's like um, you know, she starts it back up. Her her mother filmed it. You know, there's a company that takes them and turns them into Sims like this. And he's like, "Is that you?" And she's like, "That's me, Burton, and my father." And then he's like, "Your father's wearing your jacket." She's like, "No, I'm wearing his." So he brings up her like mocking Burton and stuff like that. He's like, "Is that a custom in this part of the world?" And he's like, "Do you do you love him?" She's like, "Of course." She's like, "I'd do anything for him." Then he she asks, "Do you have any any siblings?" He's like, "I have a sister," and she's like. What are these issues that have arisen? He says her her friend made a visit, Connor. She's like, what? And he's like, in your peripheral. And he informed of, informed us of your seizure. So obviously Connor went back, but we didn't see that. Connor said that you know he believed that the headset caused you know the seizure. And she's like, are you here to say it didn't? And he's like, I have no idea if it did. And she just like chuckles. She's like, that might be the only time that I'm 100% sure that you didn't just lie to me. And she calls him Wilfred. She says that she looked him up. And, you know, his name, you know, he who wants peace or something like that. She looked up some other stuff. She like didn't find much except uh, Lev Zubov that exists in her time. It's like maybe it's a common name where his boss comes from. But he's just like, w- what did you find? She's like a mafia thing. Like him, his wife, his children, daughter, son. It's like they were shot. The house was set on fire. Pretty gruesome stuff. But no connection to your Lev. And he like doesn't answer for like a split second. And he's like, no, none at all. Then he tells her to get her scan. He's like, they'll investigate the headset. They'll only ask her to return if it's safe. Then he's like, I give him, give my word. And she's like, there you are, you and your word. 
then she you know jokes about him telling you know the truth twice in one conversation he gets up to leave and then he turns and he's like there's one thing i haven't shared he's like alita she's my sister and that that kind of like catches her off guard so she takes off the vr headset wolf goes to a residence tells the computer voice that he's there to see lev zubov he's told to put a blindfold on that's like in this box and this bot takes him to a table outside where Lev's sitting. So this is again, where it's confusing. Like how much time has passed? Cause I thought when Wilf was with, I thought when he was dancing with Dominica that Lev was outside, but maybe that was some time had passed. Maybe it's like two hours a day or maybe he was just somewhere else. I don't know. So he's taken to, to Lev, the blindfold's taken off and Wilf's like, was that necessary? And Lev's like, well, some of the club members don't take kindly to being looked upon by interlopers. So Wolf sits and Lev's like, is there a reason for this unexpected intrusion? <laughs> and Wolf says that he met with her pult. She shared some unexpected information. His family in the stub, all of them, they were killed a few weeks ago. So this is kind of a surprise to Lev. And then he kind of laughs. He's like, no. And he, and he says that he forgets how kind Wolf actually is. Um, Wolf says that you know someone targeted them, so he presumes from here. Then he like sits back, and he asks, he's like, "What do you think that I was paying Alita to do for me?" He's like, "I have no idea. You made it quite clear you don't consider it any of my business." Lev says that they wanted to learn how to open a stub on their own. He's like, "Why would the klept want a stub?" Lev's asks, he's like, "Why would they want anything?" He's like, "There's money to be made. The only limit is one's imagination." and morals, I suppose. He's, and Wolf's like, for example, he says that his brother, Alexi, purchased a pharmaceutical um, company. Even with AI, at some point, one has to test a new drug on a human population. So it's a process that medical ethics would make rather tedious and costly. So you tested it on a stub? He's like, yeah, for instance. He's like, the possibilities are essentially infinite, but it bothered him, the idea of different versions of himself in another world, he just couldn't abide it. And so Wolf's like, you killed your family? And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, not personally. He's like, I transferred funds and hired the appropriate personnel. He's like, I felt better instantly. And he's like, anything else? Wolf's like, no. Then you should put that silly thing on and be on your way. So basically, it just like tells him to leave. Felina is uh, filling up a thermos with coffee. Then her hands like lock on a lid and she like can't release it. She has like pry her fingers off. She finally gets it off and her, her fingers relax. So it's like she's still dealing with this. Burton is making some breakfast for him and Connor. Flynn comes in and she says that, you know, she'd like some advice. She's like this Alita woman who hired them, they finally found out where she lived. She had this diorama thing of their house, like the trailer and y'all, you know, toy soldiers, your whole unit. So she's just wondering what does she do with all that? And Burton says they, you know, said it was a sim when they sent the headset. You know, he never saw one that she couldn't master. She says, but this ain't a sim. He says, but she thought it was. What if she kept thinking it? You know, like what's what's her gambit? What's the first thing she does when she gets in a sim? She's like, break script. And he's like, you know, she's like, do the exact opposite of what's expected. And Burton asks, what happens? She's like, well, I usually die a bunch, you know, and then I figure out the rule set, then take control. And Connor says that that's what they do. Go in, die a bunch of times, you know, but with him too. Burton's like, well, not without me. He's like, you know, more boots we have on the ground, the less likely that we are to get our butts kicked in there. And Flynn says that, she's like, you're so full of poop. You just want to see it. And he's like, what if I do? 
He's like, it, it doesn't matter because you're not going back until your seizures are sorted. And she's like, it's sorted. She's like, I feel fine. He says, not until he sees the, the scan. She's like, I need to go back. And he's like, how's your hand? And she's like, it's fine. And she's like, I'll get you bodies, both of you. So the Flynn bot is bouncing a ball with a couple of kids and, and a, like a robot. Then Flynn en- enters and the girl's like, what's wrong? And Flynn's like, where's your father? Then Ash comes out and tells the children, you know, go inside now. Flynn asks Ash if she, he's like, am I being used for a toy when I'm out here? Ash's like, they needed a fourth. It seemed harmless enough. She's like, I apologize. So Flynn's like, how long does it take to make another one of these? She's like, I, I need one for Connor and another one for Burton too. Ash starts to go inside and like asks where Flynn's going. She says that, you know, sim jockeys have a specialty, like achievers, explorers, killers. She's like, I'm an explorer. She's like, I'm an explorer, Ash. So I think now's a pretty good time to start. Ash tells Osian to cut her connection. And he says the pulse are countering. So there's like, you know, some people are like hacking and, and like the, are present or they're present. So he tells like, Osian tells Ash to follow. And he says that if the Mets see her again, it'll be the end of them. So Ash tells Flynn, she's like, this is pointless. If you want a tour, I can give you one. And she's like, you'd only show me what you want, to, you know, me to see. She's like, no, thank you. So Ash assures her there's nothing else. Then Flynn tells Ash to look her in the eye. So, you know, and, and say that so she can see her lying to her face. Osian uh, contacts Lev, who's who's not there about you know he tells about the problem or whatever, and he's he's not happy to, to he's like just deal with it. Flynn says uh, Alita told her that she's likely to die in ten years. She's like, why do you, what do you think she meant by that? She's like, and where are all the people? Osian manages to cut her off, but then there's the two hacker dudes at the 3D printing place. They call Burton and tell him like tell her to shut her eyes because you know they they get her back in. So she's back in and Ash notices and then Flynn's like, what happened to all the people, Ash? So Wolf gets driven to a cemetery, Lev's on a comm, and he tells him, you know, this is a place according to a sign. Ash and Flynn are at the cemetery. Ash says, we call it the jackpot. It, was, it wasn't one thing or all at once. It was everything together, building over time. Even now, they're still arguing about when it technically began. Flynn says, though it already started like in my time, and Ash is like, yes. Then Wolf like walks up to them. Ash is like, well, I have a right to know. And he says, you know, send him the dang code or something like that. Then some like floating structures appear over their head. And Flynn's like, what is this? Wolf's like, our past, your future. It's a museum of sort. Each one of these shapes, you know, that are like floating above like the different like tombstones and stuff like that. Each one of these shapes represents a different phase of the jackpot. And she's like, why the jackpot? He's like, gallows humor, I suppose. It was, it was less portentous than apocalypse. This like floating cube opens up and Ash says, this is the moment commonly pinpointed as the edge of the cliff, after which there's no turning back. So inside there's a sphere. It's like, I don't know if it's the earth. There's like a ring of dust that surrounds it. Then Ash says here, the jackpot was unstoppable. A hack of the North American electrical grid. There's a complete blackout, month-long, continent-wide, and increasingly common phenomenon, as it turned out, across the globe. And then you see, like, 2039 appears on, on like, over the shapes. Flynn's like, that's just seven years off in my world. This other shape starts to, like, open up, and then Ash's like, pandemic, a phylovirus. We call it the blood plague. It attacked the viscera, the liver, spleen, intestines, filling with blood till abdomen burst. And then a date shows that this happens at 2041. 
This other shape starts moving. Wolf says environmental catastrophe, droughts, famine, antibiotic failure, and ash cuts in. Agricultural collapse followed. Then Wolf's like full population collapse. Ash is like a bit more than 7 billion people over four decades or so. And then it came the end. This other shape unleashes this big black spiky tendril. Things like smash down like all around Flynn. Things go black. And then she's like in this open field. And so this is the thing I get. It's like, are they really at the cemetery or is this like some sort of sim? So Ash is like a domestic terrorist attack in the United States. They blew up nuclear missile silo in Spring Creek, North Carolina. And Flynn's like, Jesus. She's like, that's where I live. So then there's like smoke and fire around her. There's like screaming and wailing. And then she's like, she yells like, make it stop. And Ash motions with her finger and Flynn's back in the trailer. Burton comes up to her and asks if she's okay. You know, Connor's like, did you get us a body? And she's like, um, I'm working on it. But she doesn't say anything about what she saw. Because it's like, this is like heavy duty stuff. It's like happening really soon. So it's like, how do you explain that to them? So that was uh, episode four. And as always, by the time you listen to this, episode five is out if you want to get started or if you want to wait and catch up. Then Chucky, season two, episode six, he is risen indeed. <laughs> this, oh man, this this episode, I I really really adore this show. It's it's just it's so amazing. I know I've said it before, but I don't think I've said it lately. I'm so blown away by the fact that they're they're making an ongoing Chucky show, and that it's so interesting. I'm, I'm I can't believe that it works and i just oh man anyways so let's come back let's get to it. it there's a flashback to andy in driving a van full of chucky dolls from like the end of last season and the beginning of the season and you know driving off the cliff all that then we see the you know the the van just laying there like chucky's are are dragging andy away from the wreckage and then that's where we see the ball chucky so i don't know how because ball chucky wasn't he he wasn't so in charge in the van. He was seemed kind of dopey, and they were like making fun of him. But then now here he's he's kind of like looking at the scene, whatever. Truck blows up, some Chucky's go flying up, whatever like that. Then Andy wakes up. You know he's got the rag shoved in his mouth. He's in that cabin, so this is like in the present. Then the current colonel he's mentions you know cutting his pound of flesh, or whatever. Doctor Mixter's like, well, what happens when you run out? He's like, well, then I'll, I'll just cut deeper, or whatever. Outside, Devin says it. It's like they've been torturing him for a year. It's like, has it really been a full year? I didn't think it was that quite that long. Uh, then he, because uh, you know, Andy does have a beard. He's got like long, shaggy hair. So it's like, okay, his leg looks nasty. Then Mixter says something. You know, Tiffany has let Chucky Prime escape. You know, they're on their way here now. He scoffs at at the mention of Chucky Prime, and he's like, "That's absurd." She says that he was the first, so then you know, that's why he's Chucky Prime. Whatever. The colonel says that he got sloppy because you know first he gets trapped by Nika Pierce, then he lets Tiffany chew him up and spit him out, and you know, and as he's saying, this colonel peels off like a thin strip of like Andy meat, and he puts it like on a stick like he's gonna cook it in the fireplace, and she then she tells him that his brawny assassin is dead and that his scout is missing, so it's a good Chucky and muscle Chucky whatever, and he's like, and those kids are still running around breathing. So she's like, well, let me do it. Let me kill them. And the colonel's like, no. He's like, I won't deny myself that pleasure any longer. He's like, life's too short. And she's like, well, you know, you're being too risky. He's like, every dead Chucky brings you one step closer to extinction. And he says that, 
you know, he doesn't have to answer to her. He's not an eight-year-old child anymore, and she's no longer his therapist. So he says that, you know, they were weak. He is strong. So he's all the Chucky anybody ever needs. So he wants to go to the school. And she's like, well, what about Andy? And he's like, well, I'll save him for dessert. And then she just picks him up and they, they head out. So then as soon as they're gone, Devin and Lexi enter because, you know, the cabin's like not locked or anything like that. They see like other dead Chucky parts or whatever like that. And they take the, the, the gag out of Andy's mouth, start to untie him. And he's kind of out of it because he grabs Devin's arm and Lexi's like, we're just trying to help you. And then after he's untied, he lunges at him again. And Devin's like, it's me. Remember? He's like, we played, you know, hacky sack at, and then they're like at Charlie Ray's house, you know, before it blew, blew up. And he's like, Kyle. And, and he's like, yeah. Then he grabs Devin. Where is he? And Devin's like, she took Chucky back to the school. He's like, take me there. It's like, okay, Andy, settle down. So Sister Ruth goes into her office. Muscle Chucky is sitting in a chair, snacking on communion wafers. Then he notices uh, that some of her hair is like sticking out of her habit. And he's like, oh, your hair is different. And she's like, do you, do you like it? And he's like, oh, you, you should be blonde or something like that. Then she takes off his shoes and she's says that or that he or she's humbling herself before him she starts like rubbing his feet with like a cloth and all that and then he like looks out the window and he sees dr mixter carrying the colonel and then they see him too and then the colonel says to her, he's like you told me that neanderthal was dead and then good chucky is like in another room like next to i don't know if if the room that they're hiding out in is right next to sister ruth's office that seems like really close or whatever i don't know how to lay out a building how maybe it's different stairs or whatever but he's like looking out and he's he's like waving to them like all happy a mixer tells the colonel to remember that he has to make the kid's death look like accidents or suicide and he's like yeah i can work with that then uh he he makes a like a gesture to both of them like i think it's like slit in the throat or something like that muscle chucky like flips him off and and uh good chucky is just like waving still i guess i don't know uh at the chapel jack wonders uh to nadine he's like you know where's Devin and lexi you know they never came back or something like that father bryce is just preaching whatever he um uh, He's like, as students, they abide by the rules of the place. Recently, several students thought those rules were only suggestions. He's like, but they're not. Breaking the rule puts everyone in jeopardy. So, you know, one of the cardinal rules was no students would leave the campus without permission. And Jake wonders, he's like, do you think they just ran away? And Nadine's like, no, they wouldn't do that. So Bryce says that the rule has been broken, so he has no choice but to, to lock the entire school down. It's like no extracurricular activities, no field trips, no outdoor privileges. Every student will remain in their room until further notices. Lockdown begins now. So this is like so stupid. He's basically punishing the only students who are behaving. So, okay, some students broke the rules. They they ran away. So we're going to punish all of you people who are doing what you're supposed to be doing. Plus the fact that they're locking them in their rooms or whatever. And there's this one girl who's just like, like glare, kept glaring over at, at Jake. It's like, what the heck is your problem? So this stupid girl, she goes up to Jake in the hall and she's like, you're not going to get away with this. And he's like, what? She's like, Trevor, Trevor would never just run away. He's not that stupid. He's like, what are you talking about? Then she's like, what have you done to Trevor? You flipping freak. And Mixter walks up and she's still carrying the colonel. She tells the girl whatever. She's like, one more word out of your mouth and I'll have no choice but to recommend a transfer to Juvie. So then, then you know, she walks off, whatever. And so Jake asks Mixter where she got that. 
the you know, doll. She's like, that's none of your business. And he like, kind of lunges for it. But then Father Bryce grabs his arm. You know, he's behind him. And he tells him to, to get upstairs now. And Jake says to her, he's like, you know, don't you? You know what he is. And then as he goes up the stairs, Bryce says to the mixture, he's like, I don't think bringing those kids here was the best idea you had. And she's like, it was. It's like, trust me, you'll see. And then he asks, you know, where did she get that doll? And he's like, I told Sister Ruth to throw that abomination away. And she's like, oh, it's helpful in my session. So, you know, to get the, the patients to deal with their fear, you know, stuff like that. Then he's like, okay. Then he's like, what happened to its hair? And she's like, I can't share that with you, Dr. Patient Privilege. And he's like, okay. So Bryce is locking everyone in their rooms. Sister Catherine asks him, you know, to th- you think about what he's doing. She's like, this place isn't a prison. This isn't even legal. And he says some stuff about sparing the rod and not loving the children. So she's like, are you saying that I don't care about the kids? Then Devin and Lexi walk in with Andy. And Bryce is like, oh, welcome back. So Sister Catherine's like, who's this? Devin says that he's the reason they came back. Uh, you know, Lexi says that you know, Christian charity, whatever they saw him, and then you know, Lexi's like, we we, we asked, well, you know, what would Sister Catherine do? So Bryce asks Andy's like, you know, what can we do for you or whatever? And Andy's like, well, the past year has been been rough. Then you know, these two angels told me about the church and that they could help. And then he says to Catherine off the side, he's like, I don't think this is a good idea. He's like, the school's on lockdown. It's like, we don't even know who this guy is. And then she quotes some Bible stuff about, you know, being nice or charitable or something like that. And she's like, oh, is, is that, does it only apply when you say it? So then he's like, well, I want to, you know, see him in my office after he's cleaned up or whatever. So then he tells Devin and Lexi, he's like, go upstairs and I'll, I'll be up there to lock you in. So upstairs, Mixter uh, sees them. Uh, and she says that leaving campus violates her court order. She could have them thrown out of there if she wanted, but that's not what she wants or what he wants. So she's like, he wants you here where he can get you. And she says that, you know, he's going to kill each and every one of them and she's going to watch. So it's like, okay, you are so like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Glenda wakes up from a flashback nightmare, killing the old lady again, you know, for, off the, with a lighter and a fire off the stairs. So she's in a hotel room. Then she texts, did you have the dream? And then uh, Glenn is like, yes. So Glenn also sends pictures of the doll, like mom's birth. I think I got the names right. <laughs> so it says uh, mom's birthday gift to us. And then in the other room, Glenda sees Kyle has a gun on a table. There's like, you know, two rooms in this, this hotel room. And she's like, is that necessary? So Kyle's like, well, he's still inside Nika, and you are his kid. So then Kyle asks Nika, like, well, what's supposed to happen? Nika says that he said that there'd be someone there who could set them both free. And and she, you know, she's like, he wants out as much as I want him out. And Kyle's like, well, how do we, how do you even talk to him in there? And she's like, oh, it's kind of hard to explain. And then Kyle's like, does he ever talk about Andy? And she's like, no. So she mentions how they, they never found his body. She thought uh, Glenda's maniac mother took him. <laughs> and Glenda's like, mm. Nika says that they have taken almost everything from them. Like, haven't they? And then Kyle takes off her glasses and you can see like one of her ears missing. So she has like a fake ear that kind of like Velcro's on there or something like that. And she's like, almost. Then she says, so she, you know, she didn't walk out of the explosion like un, unscathed. You know, she's, she has, she lost an ear at least. So she says that, uh, she's like, I really hate to ask you this. And Nika's like, what? And she's like, oh, you want to talk to him, don't you? 
and she's like, oh, she's like, fine, whatever. Kyle cuts her hand, holds, you know, and she's holding the gun in her other hand. Nika changes. She says hi to Glenda and sees Kyle. Oh, you're still alive? And, and she's like, surprise. He like laughs. It's like, you know, the whole house exploded. Kyle says, she's like, shut up. She's like, you know, I'll take you to a place where you can get separated, but you have to tell us where Andy is. Chucky's like, Andy, I killed him. He's like, cried like a little bitch when I cut out his tongue. And he says that, sure, she says like, oh, you're lying. And Chucky says to Glenn, is like, hey, poop face. He's like, I'm tired of looking at her already. Kill her for me. And Glenda's like, she has a gun. So then Chucky in Nika's body knocks a gun out with the prosthetic arm. And then Glenda picks up the gun and points it at Kyle. And Chucky's like, do it, Glenda, do it. Then Glenda's like, turn it back. And she like puts the gun down. And then Kyle smacks Nika. And she's like, did you have to do it so hard? <laughs> and then on, on the news, there's mention of actress Jennifer Tilly wanted for questioning. You know, Joe Pantoliano and Meg Tilly are both dead, whatever. The two children also wanted for questioning. So then Nika says to Glenda, it's like, looks like we're both fugitives now. Devin and Jake are sitting in the room. It's surprising that Bryce hasn't separated them because, you know, since he's so angry with the two that they're going to, and he sees them kissing, you would, he's going to leave them there. And Jake's like, so he was eating him? And Devin's like, like a jerk. He's like, yep. He's like, something I don't get to ever unsee. It's like, okay, this is Jake's fault. Yeah. Then Jake's like, Jesus, like, I can't believe you and Lexi went out there alone at night. And Devin says, like, now we have this Colonel a-hole to deal with. And then he's like, he's bald, Jake. You know, maybe he's the worst that we've seen yet. So then good Chucky is just sitting there drawing quietly. And Jake says that they've dealt with Chucky's before, but now they have Mixter to deal with. She can call them in for therapy whenever she wants. Jake starts talking about, you know, they need to get the home turf advantage. He's like, this room is ours. He's, you know, we can control what happens here. And Devin's like, let Chucky come to us. Like, I've never heard that one before. It's like, what a jerk. Jake's like, not just to us. He's like, all of us in one room. He's like, we'll be ready. So then, uh, you know, him, he's him, Devin, Lexi, Nadine, and good Chucky. Uh, And good Chucky, he drew like him and Nadine. You know, that's what his picture is. Then Devin's like, you really want this good Chucky thing to work out? And Jake's like, it's already working out. It's like, you saw what he did to the other Chucky. And Devin has to admit, it's like, yeah, he's good at killing Chucky's. Then Jake sits next to him. He said it was brave what you and Lexi did. And he takes his hand. and But then there's this fly that's been buzzing around. And good Chucky like, starts like watching it as it's flying by him. He throws his fountain pen at it and it impales the, the Chucky against the wall. And there's like actually blood dripping. It's like blood that much blood from a fly. Then they look at, at Good Chucky, and Devin's like, you didn't throw up, because Chucky's been throwing up whenever he sees blood. So Good Chucky's like, the night is young. So, okay. Sister Catherine looks at Andy's wounds. You know, His arm is like all like choppy, like chopped up too, whatever. And then there's like someone watching them from the hall. So it's like, is that Good Chucky? Is that Muscle Chucky? Or not Muscle, Good Chucky. Is it the Colonel? Someone. So she steps out of the room, and then Andy grabs a pair of scissors, puts them under the blanket. Sister Ruth goes to Bryce's office. And he's like, what is it? He's like, so rude to her. <laughs> and she's like, well, as you know, I've always been a humble and loyal servant. And he sighs. He's like, I don't have time to give out gold stars for the most humble servant. You know, he's too busy highlighting like tons of passages in the Bible. And she's like, it's not piety, but this is definitely a miracle. She had 
Chucky, oh, Muscle Chucky behind. She was like holding him behind her back. So she puts him on Bryce's desk. And she's like, he has risen. He's like, did you get that from Dr. Mixter? She's like, no. And he's like, why, why are there so many dowels? He's like, I told you yesterday to get rid of it. And now here it is on my desk, reeking of garbage. And she's like, I did throw it out. And then she's like, he is our Lord and Savior. And then he like pulls her aside. He's like, let us pray, sister. It's like, so this fever that has overtaken you shall pass from you to me. She's like, you know, she's like, our Lord is right there. And he's like, this school is on total lockdown. He's like, that includes you, <laughs> which is like ridiculous. She says, you know, the, to stop dismissing her. He is risen. And he's like, go to your room. And she takes Muscle Chucky and leaves. Muscle Chucky, now somehow he must have left. He has like a knife. He's in a library and he's, he's facing off against the colonel he's like nice to see you out and about baldy what brings you out a wig sale <laughs> so the colonel is there too he has a machete somehow and the colonel asks like what because you put on some muscle you think you can defy me and he's like that's exactly what i think and he does his little flex and then the, the colonel says something about his brain or thinking whatever like that it turns out he put arsenic in the wafers so Muscle Chucky starts gagging and he dies. It's like, wait, how would you know to do that? Uh, Nadine and Lexi sneak into Jake and Devin's room through the window. Lexi wants to like barricade a door. Nadine uh, brought like poison, like some big thing to like so they can bludgeon. And she has there's other stuff. And she has like brass knuckles and everything. So Lexi is still like shaky because probably from the pills. And then good Chucky walks up to her, puts his hand on her shoulder, and she kind of like flinches a little bit with, at, at that. Then he asks her if, if she wants something to help her, you know, with, with her her shakiness. And he has some pills. And like, where did she get? Did he get these pills from? So maybe that was him when Andy was in the hospital, like looking and maybe grabbed them. So she takes them. Then they hear like a knife scraping on the door. So the colonel's there with a the machete, and he has like uh, Chucky ears around his neck too because it's supposed to be like Apocalypse Now or something like that. Then he says, give me liberty or give me death. Remember the Alamo. Con! And then he falls over and there's like scissors in the back of his head. And Lexi's like, who's Con? So the colonel says, the horror, the horror. And he's like having a flashback to Vietnam or something like that. And then Andy's behind him. He's like, you should have cut deeper. And then it's like quiet. Then good Chucky's like, hey, don't I know you from somewhere? And Andy looks at him. He's like, what the fudge is this? So Sister Ruth sees dead Chucky with like foam in the corner of his mouth. And, you know, she's like upset. She takes off a shoe and she like kisses his feet and she starts praying. Mixer hears like her sobbing from the stairs where she gets a call from Charlie and says that they'll be there by midnight. So Mixer says that they need to hurry. There's only one good guy dial left. So she was talking to Nika on the phone. And she's like, yeah, yeah, doc. So um, but so it wasn't Nika, it's actually Chucky. So they let Chucky out, I guess. So he laughs at Kyle because when Glenda, I think it's Glenda, yeah, guns a car, uh, Kyle, it kind of like falls off the seat or whatever, like that. And so he's like, like laughing. And, and then she like, like smacks him or something like that. So Andy walks in the room, grabs a machete. Good Chucky like backs away, and Jake holds him back, saying it's it's not what it looks like. He's like he saved our lives, and Andy's like they all need to die. He's like there's no such thing as a good Chucky. The mixer comes in the room with a gun, and it has like a silencer in there. So she takes Good Chucky and she locks him in there. In the hall, um, he asks where is she taking him, and she's like 
snap out of it, Charlie. He's like, that's not my name. My name is Good Chucky. And she's like, that's the problem. He's like, he's going to have to make a way for a better Chucky. Then Father Bryce and Sister Catherine are out in the hall. And then Good Chucky's like, help, I'm being kidnapped. And Mixer's like, not only do I collect dolls, I also dab in ventriloquism. And Bryce's like, how many of those dolls are there? And Good Chucky, he's like trying to grab Dr. Mixer's gun from like a holster or something like that. So she's like struggling. She prizes his hand off and like yanks it away. But when she pulls the gun out, she shoots Sister Catherine. Like I'm assuming is accidentally shoots her in, in the shoulder. Um, Andy somehow got the door open. He comes at her. She like just smacks him with the gun. Andy and, and Mixer go down the stairs. There's like a struggle or whatever. Then she manages to punch him with the gun. So good Chucky, he like runs off. He goes up these stairs and somehow locks the door. Nadine goes after him. Oh no, so she goes after him. Then the door locks or something like that. Or maybe the door was just locked. It was opened. Someone locked the door. Somehow the door is locked because the others can't follow them. Catherine says to Bryce that they need to call an ambulance, but he's like, no, he's like, we need to call the Vatican. The mixer's like, what a wonderful idea. And she points a gun at him. So it's like, is she going to shoot Father Bryce? And did Father Bryce see like Chucky run off? So does he know that there's something up with that? That it's not just a doll. Then Nadine catches up the good Chucky like in the tower. And he's like, I don't deserve you. I don't deserve any of you. I'm bad. And she's like, no, we baptized you. And he says something about you're just like a fairy godmother or whatever and then he's like you know what fairies like to do so she comes up and you know like to, to give him a hug or whatever but then he kind of like guides her to the window they like to fly and lexi gets there just in time to see nadine fly out the window and she's like falls and she like lands on this like statue with his arms out when jake and devin get there he like snaps out he's like looking at his hand he's like jake what have i done so, is Good Chucky really evil? Has he been faking this whole time? Or is there any chance that we could still get Good Chucky? Because uh, he killed Nadine either way. So, I don't think they're just going to like leave that be and, and forget about it. So, that was uh, this week's Chucky. With Stargirls Season 3, Episode 10, Frenemies, Chapter 10, The Killer... So we see the Crocs house. There's like Imagine Dragons music playing. Pictures and trophies for, for Artemis. Uh, Paul is making a cake. There's like a, a mask and, and baseball bat on, on the shelf. You know, uh, for Sportsmaster stuff. Then they, they go jogging down Main Street. They're saying hi to everyone. They walk over to Manhole Cover, which we know there's stuff down there. They reach the Maquette residence, uh, Cameron, his, his grandparents. They, they start talking about the two and she's like, well, we don't use violence to solve our problems anymore. And he's like, well, we can't just let grandma and grandpa icicle get away with this. And she's like, Oh, you know, she's like, we'll, we'll do something. Just, I don't just not yet. Then they, they just keep running. Mike and Jakeem are still out in the woods. And so I, I guess he made a, he made some sort of wish. Cause there's like an actual phone booth that appears there. And Mike's kind of surprised that it actually worked. Then he's surprised that they need a dime to make a phone call and you know they don't have any money on them so then they hear some growling and they have to like start running at the house pat tries mike's cell phone again but there's no answer barb courtney yolanda and pat are you know they're all in the kitchen sylvester thinks that they were set up just you know as, as things were going well with cameron and courtney then they were sent there like a gun 
So he'd bet that the signal Beth got was a fabrication. Someone's trying to dis- distract them. Yolanda's like, well, if they weren't the ones watching us, then who was? Then we see Grandpa Ma Kent. He's in, in the hospital with Grandma and Cameron. She's complaining that them sitting around is giving the others time to plan. Cameron's like, oh, I don't think that they're doing that. And you know, he's like, Beth's the one to call 911. And she tells him to find a Whitmore girl. You know, he knows what must be done next. And he's like, I know. And then he leaves. So Cameron, he's out. He's staring at the art mural of his dad. Beth's mom checks on Rick. And, you know, his heart rate and blood pressure are elevated from, you know, to a very unnatural level. And Beth's like, it's the hourglass. You've been wearing it too long. He's like, I feel better than ever. And he's like, with, with Cameron and his grandparents out there, none of us can let our guards down. Then Beth's dad says that Beth told him that he just rushed in and hit Courtney. And he's like, it was an accident, okay? And, you know, he just like yells at his face. He's like, you know, you know that. Beth's like, we do, but you haven't been acting like yourself. You know, we're all really worried about you. And he kind of like touches the hourglass. He's like, I'm fine. He's like, I really am. And Beth's like, then just take off the hourglass for 10 minutes. He kind of gets in her face. He's like, don't ever tell me what to do. And he walks out. And they're like, but Rick... Pat and Sylvester pull up to Ma Kent's. Sylvester thinks not bringing the staff was a mistake, but Pat wants to know if Mike's there. So they walk up. Grandpa opens the door. They're surprised, and he's like, oh, come in. Inside, they're talking, blah, blah, blah. Then, you know, Pat says that they're not after them. At Barb's, she's calling uh, all of Mike's friends to see if, if they've seen them. Uh, Grandma knocks on the door and just walks in, like helps herself in when Barb answers it. She says that her husband and his friend came to their house today, so she decided to come here. Barb asks, uh, what do you want? And she's like, to tell you that your family has hurt mine too many times now. My son could have saved this country's future. And her eyes go white. And, you know, she like, and she raises her hand. And she's like, he was fond of you. But you know, she's like, it's too bad. And then an arrow flies at her hand. It's Paula with the, with the bowcaster. She tells Grandma she has one second to leave, and, and she does. Then she tells Barb, she's like, you really need to learn how to use this. We see Mike and Jakeem, and you know they're they're still running in the woods. They talk about making a wish, you know, like what about wishing to go to the booth, enjoying a shake, and giving a dress, whatever like that. But they're like, wait, is it North Main Street or South Main Street? And then Thunder is like, well, you know, you have to be specific. So they, there's running, then they step into this big, like, net trap that, you know, one of those that yanks them up, they're hanging in there. Cindy's there. She's like, what are you two doing here? And they're like, oh, we found her. So she cuts the rope. They, like, fall to the ground. And she asks them again, like, what are you doing there? They say that they were looking for her. She's like, why? And they're like, to see if you're okay. And Mike says that, you know, they were, while they were looking for her, a giant white gorilla was, was, and she's like, yeah. It's like, that's what the trap was for. And Thunder thinks that she's going to need a bigger trap. So she's like, she tells him, like, the road is just, like, over the hill or or just that way. And Mike's like, why don't you come with us? And she's like, I can't. She's like, that gorilla was one of my father's crazy science experiments. Mike says to Jakeem, he's like, it's probably what killed the gambler. And Cindy's like, yeah, you know, probably. So she can clear her name and shove it in the faces of his sister's dumbass friends. Then they hear a roar, and then they turn around like Cindy's gone. She's like disappeared somewhere. So Thunder's like, just like Batman, which is, does Batman exist in this universe? I don't know. Then Thunder mentions the, sh- the shakes or something like that. And they, they make a wish and then they're in the diner. Barb is practicing with the 
the bowcaster, like shooting a target on the side of Bale. Paula says that Courtney's a fighter because, you know, Barb's like, oh, I can't do this, but she's like, Courtney's a fighter. She gets that from you. Then Paula says, you know, imagine Grandma Ma Kent's face on a target. Barb shoots again and misses, but it's like, wh- where did the arrow go? So I, don't, I felt like there, there's something ha- more to this, but they don't ever come back to this part. Courtney's walking and she comes across Cameron sitting on a bench and she asks how his grandpa is and he's like, why'd you do it? And she's like, Beth and Rick were just trying to protect me. And, you know, they thought your grandpa, he says, my grandpas are not evil, okay? It's like, uh, yes, they are. <laughs> he, he says, they're just angry. I'm angry. You should have told me the truth. She's like, I wanted to, but I didn't, you know, know how. He's like, you just open your mouth and say it. She says that, you know, she knows how much his father meant to him and, you know, she didn't want to change things. He asks, change things how? And she's like, he did bad things. He killed people to get what he wanted. He was about to kill more, so, so many more. And he's like, I know he wasn't a good guy all the time, but he was my dad, mine. He's like, did you have to kill him to stop him? Did you have to take him away from me forever? He's, she's like, well, we never set out to hurt him. Then he's like, who did it? Who killed my father? She's like, it was an accident, I swear. If it was an accident, then someone should own up to it. And it's like, at this point, it's like, how is she not scared of him? He looks like such a psychopath. And he's just, the way he's like talking, what he's talking about, he's just not willing to listen to anything and just keeps like getting in her face. And then he like, he takes a, a step even closer. He's like, now. He's like, who? She's like, it doesn't matter who did it. And he's like, it matters to me. And he's like, please, please. So then she's finally like, I did it. She's like, I'm sorry. He takes a step back. I don't ever want to see you again. And he walks away. It's like, you little baby. The Crocs walk by the Ma Kent house again. Then they walk up. And she says that the old woman won't listen to a word Barbara says. So, you know, they used to be on the same side of the fence. So they might listen to them. Uh, Grandma answers the door. And she's surprised to see them. They give their big smiles. Inside, they go to the, the same old room to study whatever. Grandpa says that they were friends with their with their son. Crusher's like, he asks if they can sit down. He gets right to the point. He's like, we're here on behalf of Pat, Barbara, and the kids. And Grandma's like, you've aligned yourself with that horrible girl and her family. Paulus says, you know, despite their differences, she's sure all of them in Blue Valley want the same thing. In her Norwegian, Grandma's like, stupid women. He's like, how can you presume to know what we want? And at, at first, it's like, did Paula understand this or whatever? But she's like, no more revenge plots, no more violence. And Grandma asks if she wants them to forget all that happened. And she, and Paula's like, not forget, but learn from it. It's like, that's what Courtney Whitmore has been trying to get all of us to do, you know, forgive one another. And it's like, you wanted to forget the people who murdered our son? Never. At the garage, Pat and Zeke are working on Stripe because he figures he'd hit the sky to see if he can find any clues. Then Mike and Jakeem walk in. They say that they found a monster in the woods. It was a huge mutant gorilla. It was a white one. And Pat and, and Sylvester, they know what that is. Pat says it's one of the most dangerous things that JSA ever faced. Crusher tells the, the grandparents that this isn't about them. Jordan wanted a new America because he believed that he could build a brighter, safer place for their children. So if this continues, it'll only bring more destruction to the community. He's like, you kill them, they kill you, along with others uh, you know, on the way. 
He's like, how will, would this help Cameron? He's like, what kind of future will this give him and his children? So Jordan wanted the best for his child. He's like, do what's right. And then he like puts his mask on the table. He's like, give it up like we did. And the grandpa says, Norwegian, he's like, my love, as painful as it is, I can forgive them. Can you? Then she like looks around. It's like, is she just going to snap and like ice blast him? Courtney comes home. The others are there except for Rick. Uh, I think Sylvester said that that kid has to get his head on straight because the man Mike and Jakeem found is the worst threat imaginable. Mike's like, it wasn't a man. And Sylvester's like, it used to be. He's like, there was a scientist who went by the name the Ultra Humanite. He was just another criminal until he put his brain inside the body of an actress named Dolores Winters. He assumed her identity. Uh, she went on to win an Oscar and he had been in her body for over a year by then. So when the JSA found out about the Ultra Humanite, he th- sought out a body strong enough to stop them with the help of Dragon King. So they stitched that mutated ape together and they put his his brain in them. So he, I, but it's like, is he the one watching them? Sylvester says that, you know, that would be his MO. The Crocs walk out of the Mockhents. Paula thinks that they're actually considering it. Inside, Grandma's looking at the family portrait her face is in anguish. I miss our son so much. But it's like, he was a scumbag murderer. So what do you expect? How many people did he kill? It's okay that he killed other people, that their families are sad and crying and missing the, you know, their loved ones. But because it's their son, they get special privilege. You know, it's, it's okay. So they hug and she's like sobbing. Courtney says, uh, ultra humanite is their next Eclipso. And Pat's like, what do you mean? She says that he's the next evil that has to be stopped by all of them. That that's what she was talking about when she said that they all had to come together. You know, the, the Crocs, Cindy, the Mockents. If this villain is as powerful as they say, it'll take everyone to stop him, including the Mockents. It's like good and bad have come together before. They can do it again. In the woods, you just hear some growling. Then it's like raining Crusher's phone rings. Artemis says that she got in. She's going to Nebraska. So Crusher says that, you know, she's going to be the first female quarterback and, you know, they're going to go home and celebrate. Uh, but then they notice there's some flyers on the ground. It's like for Rip City. And they're like, you know, someone's being really obvious. So there, there's more that lead to the manhole. Paula's like, you know, someone wants our attention. So they go down. There's more files that lead the way. And it's kind of like a maze. They find the, the room with the screens and there's like this groan. They're like, wait, what's this? A hooded person punches Kyle in the stomach and then Paula. And then as the, where the, the punch like hit them, they, they're starting to like ice up. So who is this hooded person? It's Jordan, Cameron's dad, who's, who's been dead for a while. He's like, at least you'll die together. And then they're, they're laying on the ground. They reach out and crush or whisper. He's like, I love you. And she's like, I love you too. And then Jordan raises his hand and we thrust it down. Push, they turn to dust. So it's like, are you serious? Uh, I, Cause I think Crusher and you know, to some extent Paula, I think they're like great characters. I think they're hilarious. Crusher, the, the actor that's playing Crusher, Sportsmaster, just a smile on his face it's it's i don't know, it, it kind of cracks me up it's cuz he you know he's a bad guy but he's so looks so happy and everything so it's a bummer if they killed him so now what is artemis going to do and is she going to blame them for, you know the others who knows so 
we had that. But uh, I think there's like three more episodes. I forget how many. Then we have Star Wars Andor, season one, episode ten, One Way Out. So this was a this was a better episode. Uh, the prisoner dude is put in a body bag and is like taken out. Others on the floor have their hands on head as as they they have to walk past him. So I guess there's only there is only one way out. So you know they they have to hover lift the the dead body out of there. You know walk past everyone. Cassian tells Kino that they have to go tomorrow. It's like they'll never have a better chance. It's like you know they don't have enough guards and they know it. So they're afraid right now. Kino's like afraid of what? Andor's like they just killed a hundred men right now just to keep them quiet he's like what do you call that kino's like power and andor's like power doesn't panic five thousand men who are about to find out that they're never leaving here alive he's like that must worry them about serious so whatever they're making here is clearly something they need they can't afford to be surprised again they will never be less guards than tomorrow he's like you know that it's time to go and kino just like on program because, you know, they, they left that hallway, so they're waiting to go back to their, their cells. Andor's like, every day we wait, they get stronger. And Kino's like, it might be wise to have a plan. Andor says they do. They, you know, they do have a plan. Kino kind of scoffs at, like, who he's been planning with or whatever. And then they, they start kind of grabbing at each other, like, in this weird tussle or whatever. He's like, well, there's a plan, whatever. And Andor's like, the plan works. He's like, it works around a new man coming down. He's like, they'll replace Olaf tomorrow he's like this might we might not get another chance until it's too late he's like i'd rather die trying to take them down than die giving them what they want the door opens and they're allowed to enter their hallway to their cells others are asking he's like where is he they're like dead and then he tells one of the other guys like new guys tomorrow so it's like is that a signal are they all looking out like waiting for this they're all like asking stuff and then kino's it's like tell them so Cassian says that a doctor came out. The doctor told him what happened down on two. And someone's like, is it true they fried the whole brig? And Cassian's like, it's worse than that. It's it's the why. He said that they made a mistake. They sent back a man who had just been released. So they fried two shifts just to keep it quiet. Others are grumbling. You know, they, they don't believe that. They would never tell a doctor, you know, etc. Then Kino yells, no one is getting out of it. And it's just it's like silent. Kino's like, it's true. It's like the rumors are true. They're not letting us go ever. They're going to, you know, we're going to die in here or in the next place. So let's get our heads back in our cells and start figuring a way out. Dedra is informed that Krieger's men took the bait. They're asking about a landing bay or something like that. Um, Part of gas comes in, asks if they, they bought it. And Dedra's like, the pilot's dead. Ship's adrift. Port of origin unknown. So the operator appears to have uh, frozen following the hydraulic failure on hyperspace reentry. Partagas says that now they just hang back and wait. This other dude says that he doesn't think they should just hang back. He's like, they should do something that they normally do. You know, unidentified ship, dead pilot. They'd want to take a look, wouldn't they? They should assume Krieger's watching. The, the least suspicious thing to do would be to take an interest. So then the, the lights go on in the cell. Kino yells that they're done counting shifts. You know, there's only one way out. So he's going to assume he's already dead. As they walk, there's like a new protocol now. So they're supposed to be silent during the changing of the shift when they're in that hallway, like waiting. No compliance will result in punishment. Then they, they enter the assembly room. On Ferex, this lady comes up to Dr. Dr. Like, she says that she needs her meds and, you know, she knows it, but uh, it's like we caught her hiding them. 
and she says that uh so as they're talking about uh andor's sort of you know adoptive mother she says that the pills put her off food she'd rather keep eating than let the doc keep pretending and as they're, they're having this conversation Sinta's like standing around listening like a creep so that thug dude davo who's gonna like loan mon the money or take them whatever deal with it, all that stuff he's like i was here 30 years ago he's like my boss thought i'd enjoy seeing it and tay asks like has it changed much and he's like well i can't tell he's like then because it's been so long then he starts talking about why he's there about the money and tay's like yeah we, we've talked about this davo's like i want to hear her say it and he talks about how she should be able to do whatever she wants it's her money and you know shouldn't tarnish her reputation whatever just because she has it and he mentions you know empire's procedures and regulations whatever and she's quite emphasizes that it's money for a charitable charitable organization then then she's like what's your fee tay's like we assume it's a percentage of the funds moved and davo's like nah it's like i'm not interested in money at this point and since it's charitable and Mon, you know, she's like, I insist. She's like, please take no offense. I'd prefer not to owe any favors. So she'd be, you know, more comfortable knowing that he was paid for his troubles. And he's like, a drop of discomfort may be the price of doing business. She says, okay, let's have it. And he says that he'd like a return invitation, that he'd like to come back there at least once. She says that she's sure something can be arranged. And Davo's like, I have a 14-year-old son. I'd like to bring him with. And she coldly looks at him. It's like, you can't be serious. He says that he's not asking for a betrothal because uh, their race or their planet or people are do arranged marriages. So that's why Mon got married at like 15 or whatever she was, 16. I forget. I forget. She, you know, he he wants to bring his son, and she coldly looks at him. She's like, "You can't be serious." You know, he says, "Not Petrotha." So she's like, "Then what are we talking about?" He's like, "In an introduction." He's like, "Your daughter, thirteen, she'll soon come of age. Two young people, attractive and privileged, Chandlerian, whatever citizens." She asks, "What makes him think she approves of the tradition?" And he says that their position sometimes makes decision for them. She asks if that's his, is that his only offer? He's like, I'm afraid so. Then she's like, Tay will see you out. So then after a you know, slight pause, and, and he's like, of course. Then, you know, it is a lot to think about. And she immediately says, she's like, I'm not even thinking about it. Clea walks into the shop and says that there was a mark on the fountain. Then she went to the stairs and like that. She's like, the rail was gone. It's like a clean break. So this supposed to be like signals or something like that. Uh, so she's like, he wants a meeting, you know, face to face. And she's like, I don't like it. And, you know, she's like, I don't like the ti- the timing. So she wants him to let her go. And he's like, no. And she asks, she's like, what if it's a trap? And Luthen's like, if it's a trap, then we've already lost. So then back to the prison assembly room, they keep working. They're keeping an eye on the guards, like on the platform, like the level above. And or, you know, he, he goes off, he, he gets his piece of metal, goes to the bathroom, you know, he starts like slicing at this pipe again. And then he starts using like this rod to like try to like bend up the, the pipe. New man is being brought in. Guard looks at the workers. He's like, he sees they're all working. So he's like, okay, it's good. The pipe casting is working on. It starts like shooting water out. And then an alarm goes off. It, but not because of that. On program because the new guy's coming. So everyone stands, puts their, their hands on their head. Casting keeps like a, like working on the pipe and like trying to bend it and, and break it. Water is like shooting out everywhere. 
so he finally he, he does what he needs to do, I guess. He walks out to the other. He's like a little wet. He like kind of nods to them. And then he has like the pipe in the back of his shirt, like uh, uh, like hiding. And then uh, Kino yells, new man on the floor, keep your positions. Water, you can see, starts leaking out on the floor, like into the main room. Then a prisoner starts acting like another. He's like, what'd you say to me? And he starts like shoving him and fighting like that. Um, just as like as uh, the platform with the new prisoners like going down and or jams the hydraulics he like sticks the, the the bar in there and it stops like about halfway like maybe a little lower the prisoner starts like climbing up zaps the platform tilts a little the guard falls off prisoner gets like the shocker zapper thing another guard starts shooting you know from up above Kino yells like attack they start throwing pieces of metal it's like at the top water's coming out guards yell to spark the floor Kino yells he's like get on the tables one guy gets like zapped or whatever because he's in a puddle and then uh the, the but the zap when the water shorts out the system so the guards at the control are sitting at a, basically a dead council now Kino looks down and he like um, realizes the situation and he's like attack. So the guards try calling on the radio that they have a situation, but uh, there's still a guard up top shooting. Andor reaches the top. This this was a little not not so good. He like kicks the guy's leg out and he's just like easily goes down and he like punches him just like once and and he's out. Then he, he grabs his gun. He shoots the other guard like in the leg. He falls and he shoots him again because. Andor is kind of cold-blooded sometimes, which, you know, that's what you have to do, I guess. Other prisoners start climbing up. Andor shoots the first guard that he already, like, apparently knocked out. He just shoots him again, just to be sure. Then uh, shoots a guard at the council. On another floor, like, water starting to drip down some speed of floor below them. Water's dripping down from the ceiling that uh, from the pipes that Andor, Andor broke. Uh, the prisoners on five, they've reached the guns. Guards from another level are put on alert. The assemble area sees like some flashes above from the guard and he gets shots and falls over. Prisoner comes out and yells like, one way out, come and fight. And they're kind of confused because they're like, what's going on? They lower the platform and they start like cheering. Andor and the others are running upstairs. On this other level, there's like some shooting going on. They're yelling at the prisoners, join us, you know, lower the platform. They start climbing the stairs. Announcement says this is a complete program protocol commencing in 40 seconds. Any deviation or failure to comply will result in a unit-wide activation. Um, the guy doing announcements, the, the orders, whatever, uh, he orders the water to be shut down into, uh, you know, round where the breach is. Kino comes in with the gun. He's like, too late. And he's like, there's nobody there. Then dude's like, you shouldn't be here. Kino tells him, like, the turn off, whatever, the, the alarm. And when he doesn't, he like shoots the other soldier. And then another dude says, he's like, I'll do it. He's like, I'll turn it off. So Kino tells another to shut down the floor, like everywhere. And he starts doing it. And Andor's like, says like, no, cut the power. The dude's like, it's all hydro. He's like, once we t- turn it off, it takes months to get back up and running. He's like, and then Andor like pushes the gun up to his head. And then it goes dark. We see water by the dam, like kind of shut off. Goes lights kind of come back on, or emergency lights. Andor makes the two dudes stand next to each other. He like yells at to them on program. You know, put their hands on their head. Kino gets the control. Andor's like, tell them what to do, and he just like kind of pauses. And Andor's like, you do this every day. So he gets on the comm. He's like, my name is Kino, whatever. He's like, I'm the day shift manager on level five. He's like, I'm speaking to you from the command center on level eight. We are at this moment in control of the facility. Andor asks, 
he's like, that's the best you got? And Kino continues. He's like, how far we get and how many get out is up to you. He's like, they have, you know, we've deactivated every floor in this facility. All the floors are cold. And we see like prisoners like on a sleeping floor, you know, one like takes a risk and like steps down on it and it, it's turned off. Kino says, he's like, wherever you are right now, get up, stop the work, get out of your cells, take charge, start climbing. He's like, you know, they don't have enough guards and they know it. And then he like looks at Andor and he's like, you know, we'll never get a better chance than this. He's like, I would rather die trying to take them down than giving them what they want. So that's what he said. He's like, we know they, they fried 100 men on level two. We know that they're making our sentences up as we go along. We know no one on the outside here knows what's happening. And now we know that when they say we are being released, we are being transferred to some other prison to go and die. And that ends today. He's like, there's one way out right now. He's like, the building is ours. You need to run, climb, kill. You need to help each other. If you see someone who is confused or lost, you get them moving and you keep moving until we put this place behind us. There are 5,000 of us. If we can fight half as hard as we've been working, we'll be home in no time. One way out, one way out, one way out. So they're running through the halls to the top. Guards are like hiding this locked room. Prisoners start jumping off the platform. So there's like, they're surrounded by water. Then Kino's like, starts saying something. And Andor's like, what? He's like, I can't swim. But then uh, Andor gets like, you know, kind of shoved off with, with the rest that are jumping off. So I don't know if Kino makes it out. So we see that Imperial dude that was uh, um, talking to the others that when he says that they should like do something, you know, like investigate. His name's Lonnie. That's what he, he gets called. He walks like in the undercity, you know, it's like all sketchy, walks through these halls, goes to this lift, reaches up above, finds like a radio earpiece thing. And so I think he's like on this elevator. So Luthen's on the radio and he's like, Is this if this is a trap, press the buttons for two one five. Then he said, Congratulations. And Lonnie's like, On what? And Luthen says, Your daughter, healthy, beautiful, you must be pleased. And the, the guy's like, is that supposed to scare me? Luthen's like, it's been a year since we've been able to catch up. You've become a father. And Lonnie's like, that's not fair. It's like, you knowing, watching me? And Luthen's like, why are we here tonight? Lonnie says that there's a new supervisor rising, Dedra Metro. Was it Metro? Me- I forgot what her name is, something like that. She's focused on on a suspect that she's called calling Axis. She thinks that he's building a rebel network. She started looking into the stolen Imperial naval equipment, and now she's looking for a link to Altani. And, you know, there was an incident on Ferex a few months ago, and she thinks there's a link. So she's been tearing the place apart. They're searching for a thief in the middleman. She's gathering intel, and Partagas likes her. Luthen's like, this is good. He's like, encourage her. Lonnie's like, why is this good? Luthen says, because she's wasting time. And Lonnie's like, you had nothing to do with Altani? And Luthen's like, well, almost nothing. We were invited, but we declined. It's like, they got lucky. And he says, like, they don't build on luck. But it's like, no, he was involved. You know, but he, I guess he's lying. He's like, but this can't be why you're here. So he swallows. Um, she just captured a rebel pilot running supplies for Anto Krieger. Uh, they turned him immediately and staged an accident. They say that they know that there's a raid planned on a power station at Spellhouse. If Krieger attacks, they'll be waiting. Luthen's like, and if he doesn't, they'll know something's amiss. Lonnie's like, but they'll be slaughtered. Luthen's like, it's 50 men. 
He's like, you're worth more than that. Lonnie is like, you have to warn them. And he's like, to what end? Ruin everything? He's like, what better way to reassure the ISB there's no leak in security than sacrificing Krieger? He's like, I'm doing this for you as much as anything. The old elevator finally stops moving, whatever, and Luthen's, it opens up. Luthen's like standing there, like a little ways off. Um, then Luthen's like, tell me why we're really here, Lonnie. And he's like, I can't do this anymore. He's like, I'm a father now. He's like, I had no idea how it would feel. Luthen says that, he's like, you, you, we took a bow. And Lonnie's like, I'm giving you Dedra Miro. That was a Miro, not Metro, Miro. I think, Dedra Miro. He's like, I'm giving you Spellhouse. I'm, I'm warning you about Ferex. I'm, I'm honoring my vow. And he says that you know, he's been working his way through that for six years, working his way up alone. Luthen asks, you know, what was his plan? Gather a big basket of goodies as a farewell gift? He's like, what are you planning on telling the ISB? Luthen says that you know he knows it's impossible, but you know they they can't let him go. They can't spare him. He worked his way up through the ranks with the information that Luthen's given him. Krieger's men will be dying to make sure his daughter has a father. He's like, you're trapped, Lonnie. There's no pleasure in saying it, but you're not going anywhere. Lonnie's like, my sacrifice means nothing to you, does it? And Luthen's like, says he understands how living a double life isn't easy. They all have to make sacrifices. And Lonnie's like, what do you have to sacrifice? And Luthen's like, calm, kindness, kinship, love. I've given up all chance at inner peace. I've made my mind a sunless space. I wake up every day to an equation I wrote 15 years ago from which there's only one conclusion. I'm damned for what I do. I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. And the ego that started this fight will never have a mirror or an audience or the light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything. You'll stay with me, Lonnie. I need all the heroes I can get. Then he makes the elevator close and he goes back. And then on the prison planet, Andor and this other dude, they, they reach the shore and they start running. But it's like Kino didn't make it. So is Kino going to get stuck there? He's going to have to stay in a prison? Because they'll get it up and running. They'll just bring more prisoners in. But maybe that's why we've never seen Kino in any of the movies because he's still there. Poor guy. That's why learn how to swim. Take swim lessons if, if, you, if you can. So that was Andor. With Titans Season 4, Episode 3, Jinx. Um, I like this episode. Not a whole lot happened, but maybe that that's kind of a good thing because we, we get a little more... I mean, I, I liked... I, it was interesting to see Jinx, seeing how they... Just little bits of information about her history and on all that and uh, just a potential of like what she may add to this season. So it picks up from last episode. They bring Rachel into the RV, you know, her heartbeat steady and, you know, she wakes with the start and Dick's like, are you okay? And she's like, no, she's like, I can't feel you. So then we see uh, this like guy and lady like delivering kegs or something like that. And then um, like the dolly gets stuck on something or no, no, they're not. Okay. That's not, they're not um, kegs they're containers. Cause like the dolly gets that one's carrying, get gets stuck and then this little like critter thing crawls up his leg and goes into his ear, and then he's like on the on the ground. Then the other uh, the lady, other delivery person, gets like she comes up, and then they're both down. And you see like some stuff dripping out of the thing. There's blood in these containers. 
So this lady tells Mother Mayhem that they have the blood, which is what they wanted. Mayhem takes her staff out of like the platform things. She says that she has something valuable. Uh, she says that Herodek is without her power. It was never hers to begin with, and she had no right to it. So she shouldn't have you know brought it here. She unleashes the power into a big crystal thing, whatever you know, from her staff, and says the power is back where it belongs. So I guess that's Rachel's powers there. Then Dick asks Rachel, "Is like, are you really okay?" She's like, "Yeah." She's like, "I just feel empty, like there's something missing, but it's it's so big that I can't feel it all at once." Dick says that he wants her to rest. You know, they don't know what happened to her, and until they do, then she's like, "But it's my it's my soul self. It's just it's gone." And Gar's like, "How can your soul be gone?" And Connor wants to know, like, and who the heck was that? She just, you know, took us all out. Dick says, we're all here and we're all alive. That's all that matters. He's like, somehow what Corey did drove her off. So that means she's not invincible. Dick says, we're, we're going to find out who she is, how her power works. Next time we see her, we'll be ready. So I just love how he's being like all strategic about it. You know, he's just like so casual, but basically he's like, we need to gather information, figure out who she is and how, what her weaknesses are. Then we can take her down. That's like the smart thing to do. Instead of just, you know, rushing off and attacking. He tells Gar to stay with Rachel, tells Tim he wants him back at Star Labs. And he's like, why? He's like, well, you almost died last night. So I'm off the team. It's like, shut up. You're such a dork. He's like, no, you start your Robin training today. He's like, you're finally going to learn how to use the bow staff. And it's weird because then like Gar and Rachel, they have this like big smile on their faces. It's like, okay, whatever. He says that he and Corey, Dick says he and Corey have an errand to run uh, in the meantime. And she's like, we do? And he's like, yeah, we're going to meet someone who can help us. Connor stops him before they can leave. He says that, you know, she caught them off guard. Next time he'll be faster. He'll find a way to stop her. Dick tells him not to take this on himself. He's like, we're a team. He's like, we do it together. So he's like, you know, it's not your fault. Sebastian, I think he releases his mother's ashes, you know, and then his phone rings. It's some guy from Bixel, this company. He, so it's a computer video game company. They, the dude's like, are you ready to change your life? And he's like, me and my team have reconsidered your video game. We'd like to buy it. And he's like, are, are you serious? But it's really Mother Mayhem. Somehow, with her magic ability, she can perfectly mimic this dude's voice. She says, or the, the dude, the voice says that he needs to come in so they can talk about the next steps. Dick and Corey go to a prison in Bloodhaven. He tells Corey that, you know, he didn't want to say it back there, but what happened to Rachel scares him. You know, they're dealing with the supernaturals. It's not something that he knows a whole lot of, about. Without Rachel, they're going to need someone else who knows the stuff, you know, who knows the players. So there's a woman he knew back in Gotham. Her name is Jinx. She's a thief and a grifter. So she travels in those circles. So she might be able to tell him who hit them last night. But it's like, does she know that Dick is Nightwing? So apparently everyone does. So they're like out in the yard. She's walking up in cuffs or whatever across the, 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 the prison yard. And Corey's like, she looks harmless. And Dick's like, yeah, I know. The jinx you hear her say, oh, there's something in my shoe. And then, uh, you know, so she kind of pauses for a second. Dick asks the guard, they're a little ways away. He asks, like, have she ever been let out of her cell? And the guard's like, no, she's only been in solitaire since she's got here. And then Dick, like, looks at her, sees what she's doing. He's like, stop, stop. Don't let her foot hit the ground. And she, like, looks at him kind of with a smile, puts her foot down. Smoke starts swirling around her, like this like, little turn, black turn, smoky tornado. And then Dick tries running to her, but it's like too late. The swirl's gone. She, she's she's gone. Then Dick tells Corey, 
you know, they, they leave. She was arrested for trying to steal this, some expensive artifact in Bloodhaven. He's like, the deal is being transported and the entire inventory draw going to an auction or something like that. So he thinks that she's going to return to the scene of the crime. Rachel's eating pancakes. She's like starving. So Gar made her food. And she says that she's like, I'm smelling the maple syrup and I'm just smelling it without the pain of everyone flowing through me all the time. And she actually like takes a swig of it and she asks her, she's like, is this what life is like for you? He's like, "Uh, I don't know. It's like, I I guess she's like, I think I like it. She's like, is that a terrible thing to say? She's like, I know I have a responsibility as a Titan, but I kind of like the idea of a normal life. And, you know, Gar is like, it's like, well, you know, that's not really, you know, that's not bad. Then um, Gar starts hearing distorted voices and he walks out. So she's like, what's wrong? And, you know, they're parked on on this road in, in the woods. He tells her, he says some stuff and he's like, ever since Metropolis, strange things have been happening to him. He thought there were hallucinations at first. It was a like a world surrounded by red. Then yesterday before the attack in the woods, he heard voices and they were calling him Skinwalker. So they, they kept saying, join us. And she's like, join who? He's like, I don't know. He's like, but in Navajo culture, skinwalkers are shapeshifters that can change into animals. He's like, maybe they're trying to tell me something about her. And she's like, the witch who attacked us? He's like, if I can get them to talk to me again, you know, maybe they can help take her down. Tim and Connor are standing out by the river. And Tim's just like swinging at, at Connor and like hitting him. They're not really by the river. They're actually in Star Labs in the VR room. And Connor says, Bernard's like, am I supposed to fight back or anything? And Bernard's like, nah, just, just let him tire himself out so we can get started. Then, uh, then of course, Tim has his shirt off and Bernard's putting like sensor pads on him. I'm, I'm sure he's doing this, you know, purposely. It's, it's supposed to be so, uh, when he does a VR thing, he's doing this on his own. So it can simulate him getting hit with the training. Then Bernard like interrupts because Tim and, and Connor are like kind of bickering, you know, whatever back and forth about stuff he interrupts him because there was a break-in at the mpd metropolis police department evidence warehouse two people are dead 40 gallons of blood were stolen jinx is at this museum place whatever it looks like a vault or i guess it's a vault but it's like almost like a regular rich apartment she sees like oh they've added more security there's like these laser grids and stuff like that so she's able to use like spread them like raise her hand like make the laser spread apart so she can walk through there she goes to this door raise her hand slides it open there's this little box like on this pedestal thing she reaches for it but it zips out into dick's hand and he's like i got moves too or something like that and she's like who invited you and whoever this is you know to Corey. he introduces Corey and jinx he says that they're there because they need her help. He's like, the box is payment if she accepts. And she gives him double bird and she's like, hard pass. And he's like, well, you must be interested in the box since you came right for it. He like hands it to Corey. She's like, I don't know what all this is. You know, she's like the tension between you two, uh, you know, because Jinx and Dick keep going, you know, talking, whatever. But they do need her help. So, you know, the sooner she can get whatever's in the box and she opens it, there's, it's like, is that a heart? There's like a little heart there. And then Corey turns the stone. And Dick tells Jinx, he's like, reverse it, whatever. She's like, I can't. It's like, it's not my spell. And she's like, that box belongs to Lerone. Lerone? Lerone? I forgot what Lerone? Lerone? The Dark Elf. And that heart was stolen from her, and there's a hefty reward for its return. So she says, she's like, well, I'll ask if Corey can be unlocked when I return it. And he's like, uh-uh. She's like, I'm going with. And he, But then as she's like, okay. He's like, well, we can't just leave Corey here. And Jinx's like, oh, trust me, she's not going anywhere. 
So Sebastian goes to the video game dude's office. You know, he was on the phone or whatever. And Sebastian's like, oh, you know, sorry, I'm here early. And dude's like, what are you doing here? So Sebastian's confused. He's like, you called about taking the next steps? And the dude's like, we told you yesterday that we weren't interested. But he's like, but you call me. And the guy's like, I never called you, but I will call security if you don't leave. Sebastian's like, but what? look, he's like, I'll show you on my phone. You know, it's in my recent calls. But then so as he's grabbing his phone, taking it out of his pocket, the, the dude just kind of goes in his trance. He grabs a pair of scissors and he opens them and he's like looking at them. And then he shoves them into his eyes. Blood. Sebastian's calls for help. Like I don't know if it's security, but there's like guns being drawn on him. So maybe it's not it's not regular security. We find out later. So and then he like raises like put up your hands and he's got like there's some blood in his hands. He's like I was just trying to help. Rachel and Gar are walking through the woods. Then he kind of growls a little bit. He's like something's coming, and he looks up, and she's like what? He's like you don't see it. He's like it's it's the sky. Then he's like well wait. Then somehow he knows like oh hold hands. And then they can both see that the sky's all red. So she's like, I think we should turn back. He's like, I can't. Tim's doing VR training now. Connor calls Bernard over because he's been on the computer. He's been looking at the evidence room scene. There's like occult symbols on the walls. He's like, I've been running through the database, but nothing's coming up. So he thinks that you know some of the lines around there look deliberate. So he's like adding searches with corporate logos, which I don't know why that would have anything to do with it. He asks Bernard to see if there's any genetic connection between the, the blood of the victims. Dick and Jinx are, are driving in, in the, the Porsche. She says, she's like, oh, look at us, just like old times. And he's like, let's just not talk. Then, but they, they start talking about their past. And she says, like some stuff that he burned her by turning into her turning her into Constantine. He says that she blew his chance to get Two-Face. And he's like, well, you came out on top. That's all that mattered to you. And she smiles. I thought you liked me on top. And then he like kind of flusters a little bit. Then and, you know, she says... So you you know you never trusted me, but you came to me again. It's like why? He's like last night we went up against someone very powerful. You know, she took on me and my whole team. We were lucky to get out alive. And she's like supernatural. He's like very. What style? What school? Oh, I think she got her BA from Harvard. He's like I don't know. And she's like, well, what did her power look like? And he's like red waves. And then it's like, what did she look like? Tall, dark hair, dark robe. She had a staff. And she's like, was it a magical staff? And she's like, I don't know her, but she's like, but my advice, don't mess with her. It's like, you're in way, you know, you're out of your league. So they, they parked her in this parking garage and she's like, I need $200. He's like, for parking? She's like, there's a cover charge, you know. So he puts his card in the machine and then, you know, she tries taking it, but he takes it up. And then like the, the, the parking machine thingy, like open, a door opens up. And they, there's like this club inside, you know, there's like a bar, people, music, some like, at first I thought, is this a rave? But it's not quite a rave, but there's laser lights or whatever. Meanwhile, Corey, one of her eyes starting to glow a little bit blue. It's like, is she going to bust out? But no. Then we see her at first. I, I, I was like, is she on another planet? Because there's like the red sky. But she turns around. There's Elko's Diner in like this desert area. I think we saw the diner before. She goes inside and there's like no one there. Just Then this woman calls her name it's like we meet again so it's this woman's zadira i don't know if we've seen her they kind of do this like hand salute whatever like thing so Corey's like am i dead and zira is like it's like no she's like but you can you know save them you know, you have all the answers you just need to listen 
so Corey goes to the jukebox and like there's a, a number you know the numbers are kind of flashing right so she pushes them like in order that they, they flash and she's like that's my birth year on tamaran so then it plays like some music she's like you used to sing that to me while i trained so i guess this was her training instructor and then you know she starts talking about Corey's destiny and all this stuff whatever Tim asks Bernard if he has results of a blood analysis. Bernard says that each victim has a genetic mutation that traces its origin back to this ancient Assyrian tribe, the the Kurzus or something like that. And Connor's like, oh, I never heard of him. But he he finds uh, the symbols from the slaughterhouse. And it was a, this, a screen grab from a beta version of a video game. This guy, Sebastian Sanger, uploaded online. Connor's like finds out some information about him and Bernard's like well we better get to him fast he's like I did a morally ambiguous peek at his medical records and he has the same genetic mutation as the other victims so Dick and Jinx go up to the bar in this whatever club she orders these two drinks she's like he's paying the bartender um so he's like I heard you broke out and he's he's kind of like disgusted that you know, she's with a human it's like wait but then, but then what is she Dick's like, I want to speak to speak to Liron. And the bartender's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Dick puts a box on the, on the bar. He's like, does that change your mind? He's like, wait here. And then he comes back. He's like, come with me. But Jinx's like, you should let me handle this. But you know, he wants to do this. So he goes up to this woman and about like uh, stolen goods or something like that. He's like, the box turned my friend to stone. He's like, release her and you can have the box. And Liron's like, well, for all I know, you're the one who stole it in the first place. And she's, he's like, says some stuff or whatever like that. And in her elvish language, I'm assuming, she says that he's impudent and naive. She tells the bartender, take it outside and kill it. So he nods. A couple guys try grabbing him, fight. Dick's using his 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 moves. Take, he takes on several dudes fighting, swinging from like chandelier, kicking and all this stuff like that. Draw out. Then Leron's like, fine, I'll kill you myself. She goes at him with like this dagger. And he like dodges, flips, tossing around, twisting arms, this and like that. She like tosses a knight. It kind of like floats up. She spreads her arms out and then it like duplicates. There's like four of them. So he, she shoots them at, at him. He like dodges them. He must have blocked one because one's on the ground. He throws it back, which is like, wait, are you going to kill her? You need her to break the spell. But she, you know, dodges or whatever. And she, or maybe she grabbed it. She comes at him again like that. And he like kicks, kind of kicks her in the face and like that. And she's out. <laughs> And then the bartender just like looks at her or, or like looks at him because he's just like, oh, okay. Jinx, meanwhile, is elsewhere. She's like about to go into this crate. Dick walks in. You can undo the spell yourself, can't you? And he's like, you only took me here as a distraction to get whatever's in that box. And she's like, don't act like we owe each other favors. She's like, we're both adults. We know how the game is played. He's, he's like, no, it's more than that, isn't it? He's like, you have a death mark. And he's like, I know you. As much as you hate me, you wouldn't get anyone else killed unless your life was on the line. And she's like, and she's like, congratulations, detective. He's like, you get a gold prize or gold star or something like that. And then he's like, how much do you owe? And she's like, five million. And he's like, is there any padding there so you can get yourself a yacht to sail off to somewhere or whatever? And she's like, well, since yours is no longer available. So he takes out his phone. He's like, done. And he like shows her. He's like, the funds are in escrow. Transfer activates in seven days. He's like, you free Corey and help the Titans, and this is yours. And she's like, help how? He's like, with the magic stuff. And, you know, he's holding out his hand. She, He's like, do we have a deal? She hesitates, and then she takes hand. They go back to that art vault place or whatever where Corey is, and she jokes that, you know, 
She's like, well, Corey would look good on Bruce's terrace. And he's just like glares at her. She's like, fine. She's like, kiss her. And he's like, what? She's like, that's how you undo the spell. He just like looks at her and she's like, okay, I was just trying to see if I can make you kiss a rock. She waves her hands, whatever, says some, you know, words, spell, whatever like that. Corey lights up blue, whatever, like changes back. And she's like, Whoa. then she's like, you did this to me? And she's like, it wasn't my spell. And Dick's like, don't worry, she's going to help us now. Corey's like, yeah, okay. Then she's like, if you try something like that again, I will fudge you up. And Jinx is like, oh, I see why you like her. <laughs> so then Connor calls Dick. Says they identified a unique genetic marker common to all the victims and traced it to this guy, Metropolis, Sebastian Sanger, whatever. Dick's like, Can you get to him? Connor and Tim's like, We tried, but he's been arrested for murder. Connor's like, It was weird. The cops arrived almost as the murder was happening. And Tim's like, Yeah, it's it's like they knew. Dick's like, It was a setup. It has to be. She engineered the whole thing. Connor's like, Well, we know where she'll you know be next they're they're holding him in metropolis pd and dick's like no this isn't a time connor's like but i told you i just need one more shot at her dick's like we need to know more about what we're going up against do not go off on your own at the police station sebastian's sitting in interrogation room we see you know it's just at first i thought it was a detective walking across the room but it's mother mayhem He's like, who are you? And she's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, she's, she's like, I'm here now and I'm going to take care of you. He's like, are you my lawyer? And she's like, no. She's like, but I have known you before you were born. And she knows what's in his heart and that he didn't do what they said. She knows about him, about his game, and all the years he's worked on it. And he's right. He is going to change the world. So she's there to help him do it. Would you like that? He like nods. And she's like, I can make all of this go away if you let me. Will you let me? He's like, yes. Shall we do it? Shall we do it now? He's like, yes. She's like, then say these words. Azrath. Azrath. Metrion. Metrion. Zinthos. But then before he can say it, the wall explodes behind him. Connor's there. It's like, it's like, it's almost like slow motion. Grabs Sebastian, like by the, the scruff, like his, his, or not the scruff, like in the front of his shirt, which zooms out of there. And then, you know, they go to Dick's Porsche, she shoves him in there, and then they, they drive out, and she walks out, and she just kind of, like, smirks. So I don't know if she wanted that to happen. I don't think she wanted that to happen. But she's probably like, oh, okay, this is going to be interesting. Gar and Rachel are still walking under the red sky. They get to the tree that he saw in his visions, and we can see, and now we can see there's, like, bones and stuff hanging from it. She's like, what are these? And he's like, they're trophies. And he closes his eyes, and then he says... When the blood moon is full, the world will follow you. And she's just like looking at him. And I'm looking at him like, what's that supposed to mean? And that's how it ends. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> but like I said, it was good. I, I, I didn't think I was going to be, it's like, what's up with Jinx? You know, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about Jinx just from Teen Titans Go. But what, what's actually funny is I was talking to my daughter about this episode because uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned, my, my daughter dressed up as, as Raven for uh, for Halloween, and her, her boyfriend dressed up as, as Beast Boy. And so we're talking about Jinx. And I, I, was, I was like, have you seen Jinx in the cartoon? Because I know my daughter didn't see like all the Teen Titans go. Uh, but, and she's like, like, yeah. And she's like, because like, I was like, I didn't think she was magic. It's like, I knew she could like teleport or something. I thought something like that. 
and I just know that like she and Raven don't like each other. But then she's like, tell me this stuff. I, I was like, how do you know more about Jinx than I do? And she's like, that's because I read all the Teen Titans Go or all, the, you know, yeah, the Teen Titans Go comics because I would get all these, these books and stuff for her. So it's just funny. My daughter knew more about Jinx than I did, even though I probably wa- I've definitely watched more Teen Titans Go cartoon episodes than she has. But she knew more about Jinx. So, see, I will admit, sometimes the student becomes the master. <laughs> and that's the end of, uh, or no, that's not the end of the podcast. That's the end of Titans. <laughs> okay, and now <laughs> I want to talk about Weird, the Al Yankovic story. I was so, I, I, I kind of want to watch this again. I actually would, would I would, I think I would probably buy this movie if it's released uh, I mean, hopefully it'll be like a 4K like version. Uh, so even though you can watch for free, I would definitely buy this movie. And I mean, I just like many, whatever. I really like Weird Al Yankovic. You know, just growing up. And there's so many things about this this movie that I like. You know, listening to Doctor Demento show. Oh man, I could go about this. You know, it, for me, it played Sunday nights at like 11. It was like 11. Was it 11? The 12:45, or was it 10? 11 maybe it was 10 to eleven forty-five, and so i was listening to this i was like in middle school and you know i had to go to school the next day obviously so you know it's being up till midnight it's like late for for my age you know or not my my, my age back then and i would listen in with headphones and have you know the little little boombox stereo and have a cassette in there and i was like i would record songs and you know there was always a thing it's like you never knew what was going to play next so you just have to record it and then if it wasn't a good song I'd have to stop it, rewind the tape. And, you know, it's just like constant, just recording like songs, 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 just like random, you know, songs, whatever. So it just, yeah, I was just really into all, all, all this funny, you know, parodies and just goofy comedy songs. And it's just such a, just a good thing. So we, with this movie, I'm just like, wait, why are they making this movie on the Roku channel? Which is weird because who has a Roku channel? So you have to have a Roku, whatever. And I, we do have a Roku stick, but we don't use it. Because uh, we end up using uh, the, the fire, I, I don't know if the I don't know if the Roku stick need to be upgraded. Who cares about that? Anyways, but I downloaded the channel, the app, and was able to watch it. There were some ads. They're not that bad. It, you know, I, I thought it was going to be worse. It, it it was fine. You know, again, considering it's it's free, so that I totally get that. And it this movie was just. Good. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe is is great. You know, I I feel. I would dare say I would almost you know say that he's underrated, and maybe that's not necessarily the case. But he he is very selective about the roles he takes. He does, and you know maybe I hope I really hope that he made a boatload of money from Harry Potter, so he doesn't need to worry about you know going after role after role after role. He just does what he wants. Like Guns Akimbo. I mean, you watch it. I definitely watch that movie again. I mean, it's such a weird movie. You know, he gets, this guy gets guns bolted to his hands. But he just, he does a lot of weird and quirky movies. So he, it's just great that he does what he wants to do. What And and that is awesome rather than trying to get the big lead role, you know, for your, your presence and recognition and all that stuff. So he did this movie and he's just so good at it. And Rachel, Evan Rachel Wood, she's in there. I didn't even realize Rain Wilson what was in there he he plays dr nemeno at first i had no idea and then you know i just saw the doctor you know the hat and the beard and everything and i was like wait that's rain wilson so i i didn't even realize that and there there's like so many other like cameo roles like uh, other people that are, are are in this as as well it's just 
<laughs> I mean, it's 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 pretty like some of them are, are pretty funny. Oh, also, uh, I forgot what the the guy's name. Uh, the the kid from uh, Invincible, and then later Glass, and also from Agents of Shield, the Warner kid. He he's in here too, but. <laughs> At first, when you're watching this, and I hadn't read like any interviews or any, anything about this, it's like, okay, this is a story about about Weird Al. So you see him like, like as a kid, uh, he wants a he, he wants his dad's like really super strict, works at this factory, very straight, doesn't you know want his kid to, to mess around, do anything like that, and you know it's like mentioned that he's like writing other words to songs, you know, like basic parody lyrics and his dad's like absolutely uphold to doing that, whatever. Then there's this salesman comes and he was like trying to sell an accordion and, you know, Al had answered the door and his dad, when he finds out, he's like almost like kills a guy that, that he comes in, whatever. And then what ends up happening, you know, then he like the dad leaves or whatever. So then the mom, offers to like buy an accordion or something like that so he you know starts playing on his own in secret and then at one point he sneaks out you know his friends at first you think like okay here's a kid he plays the accordion he's gonna be this big nerd right but you know he does have friends and they they convince him to go to a party and then it turns out it's it's a polka party and he starts playing and they're when they hear him play the the accordion they're all impressed and cheering and stuff like that then the cops come so at first i'm just like this is crazy uh so then his his dad i'm i'm giving too much away his dad finds out you know he, he that he has that he's been playing because he, he's like how how have you been how'd you know how to play this and he's like oh cuz i keep it in my closet or whatever so he goes and he smashes it and then you know years go by he moves out he gets an apartment with you know the his other guys he's like trying to figure out what what to do and and stuff like that and they're they're sitting around my sharona comes on and then he starts making a sandwich and then <laughs> just the way the how he gets inspired to do my my bologna <laughs> and, and then it's like he they so to get him to record it it's like that he sends it off and then it's like it plays on a radio like right away and, and so he figures he's going to be famous and, so, and it, it doesn't go quite that easily but it, it kind of does then things start to to uh, veer off a little bit because then dr Meno tries he convinces him to to write do an original song but you know he doesn't want to want to do it but then um dr Meno tricked him by giving him some like some drugs like in in his guacamole or something like that. I think it was like LSD or something. Like that. And he ends up writing an original song called eat it. And, and it, like later it comes out, like Michael Jackson comes out with beat it. It's like a parody of eat it. So I was like, wait, this isn't how it happened. And then also you got Madonna when, cause like whoever, whoever, um, Al, whoever weird Al parodied the original artist or albums, their sales, like, soar through like skyrocket so madonna wants weird al to do a parody of one of her songs to help her sales and stuff like that and she ends up kind of being a little manipulative as she she becomes this girl and it just goes from there it's just so over the top and and absurd but not too absurd i mean it's it's, no, it's pretty absurd or anything but it's it's just <laughs> it's such a fun movie and you know just a different parts with the songs and um 
I yeah, I, I don't know if there's much more I, I should say, but it's um it's definitely worth watching. So if you've ever kind of liked uh, Weird Al, you should should definitely check this out and and, and listen to this. Uh, it's just it's or listen to this, watch this. <laughs> I was starting to think about something else. It's just it it's it was amazing. So I think the movie was made for eight million dollars, and. I don't understand how it could be profitable because the, the ads that they had, I don't even remember what the ads were for, which is kind of a bad thing. That kind of defeats the purpose because what, whatever it adds for, it's not like, oh, I need to go buy this um, you know, pain headache reliever. It's, it didn't work. So I, I hate to say. So it's it's definitely worth watching. But Roku channel, if you're listening, I, I will buy this movie if you release a 4K if you release it on Steelbook, I'll definitely buy it. Uh, but I, I think it was, and I, I do want to watch it again. If I had more time, it wasn't like constantly reading and watching stuff for the podcast. I would definitely like watch it as soon as I was done recording here. But there's just so much other stuff to do. So you should definitely check this out. Like I said, I mean, I'm assuming if you're into the similar stuff that, as I am, you probably liked Weird Al. You probably maybe love Weird Al or you can appreciate Weird Al. Even if you just like him, I mean, you should be able to appreciate this movie. It's just, it's pretty funny and absurd, and it's definitely worth checking out. So you should watch that. And I should also mention that I got to talk to Weird Al on a phone once. I got to do a phone interview with him because it was uh, through DC because he was on the cover of a Mad magazine. I'm I'm tempted. You know, I've been, I've been talking about like a lot of these interviews that I've done over the phone that I think it could be cool to actually play the audio of those because I would, you know, transcribe them, but there's something about just the interaction. And because when you transcribe and you don't do it like necessarily word for word, for the most part, I try to, but you know, you don't always get like the, the kind of the banter and just there's, you really get to hear like who these people are. And sometimes it's, it's kind of neat. So I'm, I'm tempted to try to find I'm sure I still have that audio. The only thing is, like, if I do that as a secret podcast episode, that's only like 10 minutes of audio. But, I don't know, maybe? We'll, we'll see. I, I don't know. But, that would def- go go watch Weird. I mean, you could... I don't know if you can watch it, like, on a tablet, if you can download Roku Channel, maybe? Because I, I download on a Samsung, like, a smart TV. So, I imagine you can do it. You don't just necessarily need to have a Roku sticker unit or something like that. You should definitely check it out. Okay, then the main feature is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And so as I mentioned earlier, when, you know, this the whole leading up to this movie, I was just like, okay, you know, it, and I, I think part of it is just, you know, and I, I have no connection to Chadwick Boseman. I mean, I, I think it's it's tragic. You know, whenever someone leaves us, you know, you think about, you know, family and friends and just he was just such an amazing actor and it's, it sounds like he was such an amazing person. So it just, it really sucks the idea that he's no longer here. And, you know, it's just, it's, 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 like I said, it's tragic. It's, it's heartbreaking. So to have a black Panther movie without him, it, one, it, it kind of seems wrong to, and, and just that, you know, he, he, the fact that he can't be there, then there's also the, the idea it's like well you know they don't want to recast which again i get why that it would be hard it you know who wants to fill in those shoes knowing that you have that hanging over you know that everyone's con you know it's it's whenever someone's recast there's always gonna be comparisons but uh, to have someone like you know it's such a big 
present, you know, just such a, it just would be hard, I think, for anyone to try to do it because, you know, you'd want to make it your own. You don't want to like mimic the previous person, but that's also the character. So it's like, you know, what, how much is Chadwick and how much is, is T'Challa, the character? You know, I, I still think that, you know, he's such an important character that it's, it would be good to have him. But the movie shows that, okay, you know, we, we can work around it. What later came out, because, you know, it wasn't fully clear in the beginning, I don't, I don't think, because it's like, how are you going to do this? But something happens, and Black Panther is, is no longer going to be in the Marvel Universe. You know, he, he's no longer around. So basically, he dies as well. And I was just like, so you're seriously putting like this final... The bad analogy, don't want to use that one. But you're you're closing the door on this, so you're absolutely saying, okay, we are not going to recast because we're going to say that Black Panther is that T'Challa is dead. And and on top of that, where you're you're doing that when we already have Iron Man, Captain America, and Black Widow, you know they're dead. So now there's four of these characters that. In the comics, you know, they're such big characters. They're still around. And there's a difference when you have actors playing them because actors get older. If actors choosing not to, you know, wanting to move on or whatever, you have all that. But just to, to straight up, like, okay, that's it. No, we're not. And of course, because it's comics, because you got multiverse, you know, it's possible that you can bring someone else in, you know. So there there are ways around it. But it just seems so so final. So we, we, we get that. And... Now here's the thing, because I don't know like how much I want to necessarily give away, because you know I always feel with with these that people should should watch this. But to explain this part, I mean the 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 gist of it is T'Challa had some some disease. They don't straight up say what it is, and I, I think they want to purposely leave it vague. So I I don't know if it's just is it a natural thing? Is it something that he got from fighting someone or something or other. I mean, that's not a clear, and maybe they wanted to leave that open, just one in honor of chat, you know, whatever, or just to say, maybe this could be like a storyline down, you know, when they explain like what happened here, you know, we, we kind of see when, you know, he's fighting for his life kind of way. And, and sure he's, you know, she's trying to do what she can because she thinks she can um, like try to come up with some, you know, using science, try to say, but, but then, you can't save them and part of it because like the, the heart-shaped herb all it's been like destroyed by killmonger and you know she was trying to synthetically recreate it but you know she was not able to then it cuts to like a year later and you know there's a lot of it's like political stuff not well not really i don't know if i'd really call it political but because wakanda is known now by the world and because they have the vibranium and resource and everything like that so like other countries are it, it just i i don't understand i mean they're they're put, trying to put the pressure on they're like you know you need to share your resources with us and all this stuff like that it's like they don't need to do anything and, and you know there there's yeah you, you know you should do things for for the greater good of the planet and all, all that but the fact that this stuff not only could it help out a lot of in a lot of areas but it can also be you know made into weapons and it could also be made in weapons that would be used against them. And once people start getting it, you know they're going to want more. So if someone gets a hold of like certain power weapons, they're going to try try to get it. And we do see that that like this one like facility gets attacked and everything like that. They're able to fight them off, which is like a really cool scene the way that plays out. So you know you you have all this stuff, and 
you know, there's there's a lot of tension because there is no Black Panther that no one's protecting things, and you know they're worried about you know all this stuff happening. But then what what to make things worse, there's this underwater look like these some people find vibranium out in the ocean as they're going to move in on it they're actually uh, encroaching on namor's and his his people's like area so they attack these people the cia the government thinks that it's the wakandans that like wiped out this like research ship or whatever so that makes things worse and that's where everett k ross is is brought in and then now i feel like i'm saying too much my question is like how the heck does riri williams play into this she apparently designed this vibranium detector you know she's a student uh, mit student and so then she you know she's going to be wanted because of whatever and stuff like that so now i i think that's all i should say so now it, it comes to namor wanting to protect his people not wanting the world to know that their existence because that could be bad he wants wakanda to help him but they're you know the queen is like uh you don't tell me what to do basically but namor is just such a major jerk arrogant piece of crap that you know of course you know he's just all demanding and everything like that but i would say like riri i i i thought she she's so cool i i loved her portrayal and it makes me now after seeing this like i want to I, i'm looking forward to the show spoiler at one point she does make a suit which i think we saw I, i'm trying to think how much we saw i don't remember if we saw the final suit or a different version of suit but we she doesn't get a suit and it, lo it looks real i i loved it i i definitely want more iron heart I'm, I'm so excited for that show now because at first i was just like okay whatever it's unfortunate that Tony Stark's not around. That you can't have any mentoring part there. But whatever. It, it her introduction was was great. Why is she tied into? You know, it, it makes sense. The Wakanda, she's not from Wakanda. There is no connection there. But she ha is brought there. She's saved by by them. And so there's a lot of cool moments there. But other than that, I mean, we we do get more character developments, and I don't want to give away any other uh, plot lines or, or bits and, and stuff. But there is a there's a couple surprises uh like there's like one appearance and i don't know it's it's probably out there by now i i did see like a one thing like trending on twitter which doesn't necessarily mean anything unless you like read what people are tweeting about but that was a that was a that was a nice surprise there's just like something else that happens that i wasn't quite expecting to happen to a certain character but for the sake of the story and moving things forward and everything like that i totally get that it was just really good and um even like like shuri you know with the appearance that we've seen of her i was just like okay she's fine you know i i wasn't really impressed one way or the other but i i think she did really stand out and you know because she kind of had to she had to step up because without chadwick there you know it's not that it all falls on her you know we have other characters like oyoke and you know and others but i i, I really liked seeing shuri step up and and just like her dealing with everything and it's it's really cool to see like when she's talking to her, her mother about like you know the whole mourning process and the ancestral plane and everything 
you know, she doesn't like believe it. She's about science and she doesn't really believe in like, oh, it's like, oh yeah, you're going to visit the ancestors. Like, no, that doesn't exist. That's not real. That's just your mind coping, you know, with the loss in the morning. And so it's really interesting, like balancing the two, the whole, all the tradition of Wakanda, but she's like, no, I, I'm all about hardcore science and all that. So it's just really cool to, to see, to get a chance to see like, you know, us or them delve more into who Shuri is and everything like that. So I don't know where this is going to go after this, but uh, you know it, it did say you know Black Panther will return. So you know whether there's a Black Panther three or Avengers or you know something Captain America, New World Order, something. But uh, it, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, the as far as critical response or whatever, it looks like it has maybe an eighty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and. Um, Let's see, a point, poignant tribute that satisfyingly moves a franchise forward. Uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever marks an ambitious and emotional, rewarding triumph for the MCU. Uh, Metacritic gives it a 67 out of 100. Empire Online says 4 out of 5 stars, stating the film stands out from somewhat formulaic era Marvel movies. So, you know, you, you kind of have that. There was some part, you know, we, we, we do see like some, some Chadwick you know flashbacks or whatever and just like his presence and his smile and uh it's it's just it it's it it that's where it got emotional you know just and other, there's a couple other parts too where it's just like man it, it was a it had it was a good mix of a movie it, it kind of had everything you know in the beginning you know there's not like hardcore like super action at the beginning and there's like a couple moments here or there but it really kind of dives into the story if you're hungry for that action stuff, you know, there is stuff, you know, when you see like the Wakandans and the, the they're not Atlanteans. I don't know what, what you would call them. I don't think they're, they ever referenced that, but there's like this big fight. There's lots of cool moments and stuff. And, and uh, yeah, so like I said, it, it kind of has like what you'd want. Does it have any funny in there? Mm, there's some minor bits in there. I, I think, you know, it's, it almost seems like this is more closer to the level of humor, like in earlier Marvel movies. So yeah, it has like, they have kind of amped up the funny a, a little bit as things have gone by. And I know that's where some people, you know, have a hard time because they don't like funny things. They want everything to be serious, but it, you know, there, there was a, a couple of minor moments kind of, so it, it does have a mix of everything. So I, I think they just do a, like a really good job all around and it's definitely worth watching. So it's not like your typical Marvel movie, which I guess is, is kind of good, but it's, it was, it was very satisfying. Oh, and then I, I, as I mentioned, I saw it in 3d. I cannot remember the last time I saw a movie in 3d and I was, I was surprised when I saw it. I, I, I shouldn't have been so surprised because at my theater, you know, they have those boxes where you, you recycle your, your 3d glasses, you drop them in there but I always wonder, it's like, what, who, what's, what's being released in 3D? There's nothing. So when I bought my tickets, you know, they, they, you know, it was playing on different screens at different times, and I saw, oh, 3D, I'll, I'll do that. I haven't seen a 3D movie. I, I like the 3D movies. I can appreciate it. It, it doesn't, and I'm not saying other people can't appreciate. It. I, I, I enjoy it. I like seeing, you know, there, there's parts where you have someone standing there. And just you can see the person and like the background, you know, they're like in the obviously in the foreground, you have other stuff or other people in the background. I just think that that's the coolest thing. And maybe it's just growing up, you know, my, my dad 
was like kind of into like the the 3D, the red and the blue, and you know everyone. So he had like a comic or something like that, and and so I think I kind of grew up with that, and like some of the old like creature from the Black Lagoon trying to watch that in 3D where it didn't quite work, it wasn't quite the same, but it, it I I just I really enjoy it. So seeing certain parts. And you know there was never anything necessarily like flying in your face, like it you know wasn't made to be in three D, but there is enough aspect of it, which and that's the other thing that impresses me that while this movie is being made, someone had to make this three D transfer, and they have to like somehow, however the process is, to take these scenes and to separate the layers to give this you know elements of three D. Um, I thought it was it was cool, and and if I see it again, I would definitely I would try to see it in 3D, you know, because I I just enjoy that. That's my recommendation, and I know some people are just like, no hard pass, no 3D, but whatever. I mean, you're entitled to your wrong opinion. That's fine, but I, I thought it was cool. So I'm hoping I'm I, I got to try to get my my daughter to see it. As I mean, yes, I know I can go see it on my own, but I think it would be fun to see it with her. And um, so who knows? Perhaps. But also, I, I think perhaps uh, I will call this right there. I'm going to say that that is this week's episode. I don't know. I'm, I I should look at the time. I, I don't know how how long this. It might be a slightly shorter episode, but oh, it's it's been another week. Uh, even with uh, having Veterans Day off, I thought it's like I'm going to get stuff done early, but it it didn't happen. So that is going to be this week's episode. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanformec. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I am currently talking about Fantastic Four from 1984, John Byrne. And um, I think I'm going to do some more because I, I'm, I'm really curious about... This, some of these these issues here, I I know I've read them. I'm pretty sure I've read all of these. I'm almost positive, but there's still some interesting things, and um, this it's really delving into, like we're we're about to get into like with uh probably next week unless I I switch things at the last moment. We're like we're starting to get towards like Reed Richards' past and like stuff with his father, which um. I, I read once because like that was like one of my first issues was 273. We're not there yet. We're almost there. So it'll be interesting to just to go back because I haven't read the, those in, in years. So I'm selfishly, I'm really curious about that. But long, I'm getting a little long winded here as always. Uh, if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. All right. So what is going to be next week? That's, that's an interesting question. There is the menu, which I'm I'm kind of interested in this movie. I don't really know what it's about. I saw the trailer and I was like, okay, this looks interesting. Um, seeing some like early bits about it, it kind of sounds like it's not just a straightforward movie that there might be like other weird things to it. So that, that kind of got me more curious to, to see it. There's also Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Um, I don't know now. I'm, I'm not sure which one would, would be, yeah, I really, really don't know which one I should see. 
I feel, I, I don't know. See, I, cause I, I, I'm a little hesitant with Pinocchio. Like I didn't see the Disney plus Pinocchio. I was like, it just looks like Pinocchio and I don't need to see that. I don't really know. I mean, because it's Guillermo del Toro. Cause at first I'd be like, what could this add to the idea of Pinocchio that we haven't already seen? But because it's Guillermo del Toro, it could be something really cool. But if it's just his version of like a kid's movie that maybe is, is cooler than a regular Disney one, I, I just I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily meant for me or if it's meant for like younger kids or is it going to be like maybe a little spooky? I know nothing about the movie. So I need to decide very, very soon which one I'm, I'm going to talk about next week, which one I'm going to watch. And then other than that, you know, the rest of the shows, you know, Titans, Star Wars, Stargirl, Chucky, Peripheral, and all that. So um, that is going to be it for this week. So I hope you are doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. And again, you know, just with, with like, as we're losing creators, you know, artists and, and all, you know, actors, just, just keep in mind, you know, life is short. So just take, take the time to let the people in your life know you care about them or just in, even if it's just friends, or whatever, just you know, do something nice for someone. Uh, just be there, appreciate each other. And just remember, just be good to each other. 